Hey everybody, it's Norm from Tested. Today's episode of This Is Only A Test was brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. And if you're a listener of this podcast, which I know you guys are, use the offer code TEST at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And on with the show for November 26th, 2016, 2015. This is This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested. Oh, nope. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> <Calm>. <laughs> everybody. The rocket just blew up. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, space missions are hard. Uh, this is Norm. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am joined today. I want to introduce my guests right away. First time on the show and our newly minted senior science correspondent, Kishore Hari. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm excited to be here. First time, long time. First time. Oh, wow. You're yeah. a first time, long time. Yeah, definitely. Is, is that short time. for, uh, I think it's short for first time guest long time listener that's right isn't it isn't it supposed to be long time first time <laughs> long time listener first time caller i guess so but you were so close there on the intro so close well we're You're... gonna give people a little bit of the sausage making uh to show people how it's made but sean sean charlesworth our Hi, other guest hello hello greetings our, uh, rapid fabrication cnc correspondent and lead expert um it's a whole new crew this week uh jeremy and Patrick couldn't make it, and it's also the week of Thanksgiving. So thank you guys, first and foremost, sure. for coming I in I mean, this is like today. the A team, and those guys are the B team. We got rid of it's them true. for... Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing yeah. 327 episodes of this podcast, and we saved you guys for 328. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a very fortuitous number. Yeah. And Kishore's got a great radio voice. It's a wonderful radio Only voice. Only because I have a massive cold, it's and nice. so I sound like I should be in a jazz club right yeah. now. Excellent. Well, uh, the rocket launch, as you guys heard, was not very successful this morning. And by that, I mean, uh, we are every time we record this podcast, it is like NASA mission control, <laughs> today more so than ever. <laughs> now, if you listened to our podcast last week, the audio, I think, was just fine. Uh, Patrick, I know, was a little quiet, and hopefully Sean can make up for that by not yes. being as breathy as Patrick. Uh, but if you watch the video, I apologize. At the very end of last week's podcast, uh, we had a three-year-old a intern running around the office doing interny things and I think the TriCaster, the mixing, the video mixing board that we use <laughs> to pipe and edit our video, um, caught his eye, all those bright lights. It's shiny. And he hit all the buttons. He hit every single button. Don't blame the child. I'm I not think, blaming him. He did a fantastic job. I think he, he, did he activated a, explosions. That was uh, the best part of the podcast last week. You gotta no, watch, no offense. But. You got to watch the last five minutes of last week's podcast to see the magic of a young, a young, a young Norton. Yeah. And then, of course, this week when we all it, came in to start the podcast, we didn't, then did not know how to reverse his it was engineering magics. 
uh, and so Joey came in, fixed everything, and then of course I ran the the our transition keys as opposed to our opener. So it probably the rocket blew up. It probably doesn't speak well about us that our solution to trying to fix it was to hit as many buttons as we yeah. could to press all the reverse yes. well, all of the buttons that the person hit last week. We turned it on and off. We turned it on and off. We didn't check if there were driver updates. But I did find a different profile that did work. Took a photo of what was lit up on the TriCaster. And tried, it, I, it's exactly how NASA does it. Totally. It, it's how Mission Control works. When, totally. when the new Capcom guy comes in, they take a photo of what buttons were lit up with previous last year's Capcom. And then they just mimic the buttons. And then, and then we dumped all the mailbags out and tried to dissemble a new TriCaster from what we had there. It's true. Know, it, didn't work. I, I think as a science correspondent, I have to be offended on behalf of NASA <laughs> that we even made that analogy. But we made it through. We Apollo 13 our way hey, through space, it. Hey, space is hard. Podcasting, harder. also hard. Harder. Also hard. Now I'm going to say harder. Just also different degrees of hard. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be the worst analogy we make this, this yeah. show. Uh, how are you guys doing? Great. I'm doing really well. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, with uh, American Thanksgiving coming and uh, and Black Friday, which is one of my favorite Ooh. things in the world. So yeah. I know we have a lot of international listeners. Uh, so we made a, we're making a conscious decision to call it American Thanksgiving. Which it's, it's Thanksgiving. So my question was: I know Canada. There's Canada Canadian Thanksgiving. That's right. Well, is there any other Thanksgivings? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Know. Is there just just North it, North North America? And what, or and America? What, I hate. To, what is Canadian Thanksgiving? Canadian Thanksgiving is a is a celebration of the fall harvest, uh, it, and it happens Sounds mostly. Sounds very pagan. <laughs> uh, and it it happens generally in about like October. It's usually a, a month oh. ahead of of American Thanksgiving. Nice, I'm but can't. they have no stories of pilgrims yeah. and the, the the rape of a of a indigenous people. <laughs> right? None of that. None of those uplifting things that really make you want to eat your your body weight in turkey is it is it turkey up as well up there oh i don't know that's a good question do they or do the children plast put you know put their hands in blood and smatter it on pieces of paper (laughs) and then symbolically draw the animal they will they will feast upon oh my oh my goodness it's almost exactly the same according to wikipedia whatever that means uh but they have roasted turkey stuffing mashed potatoes and there's a double header of canadian football on that day too What's so, Canadian football? Canadian football is the same as American football, except they have um, twenty-yard end polite? zones. No, it's not more polite. It's uh, they have a longer field, uh, hmm. though it's still in yards, not meters, and I don't understand that. This is I don't strange. understand that in general with the metric system when when things pop up in miles or it, it seems a little interchangeable sometimes. Yeah. Well, technically, it is interchangeable. You just got to do the math. I Whether you can't comprehend it, I mean, the dial shows both. Oh, man. We Speedometer should. shows both. I wish we were on metric. We will talk about Thanksgiving and I think Ashore's favorite holiday, Black Friday, in just a little bit. But um, this past weekend, I was down in Los Angeles for DesignerCon. Uh, have you guys heard of DesignerCon before? I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it. Yes. I, I was not familiar either, but it looked awesome. Sean, I, it was one of those places where I, being there, I wish I had brought people like you yeah i just just watching your twitter feed i it looks like one of the cons that i would want to go to yeah uh, and so I, mean, I think it had been going on has been going on for four to five years uh it was started by toy collectible enthusiasts and 
if you follow the kind of the 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 art scene, the pop art scene, mm-hmm. you know, posters, prints, uh, deviant art, and people making toys, and sculptors, and illustrators, and artists. Uh, there was a huge rise in uh, vinyl toy, art toy collectability about, I want to say, 10 years ago. It kind of waned. Ro- uh, companies like Kid Robot, Giant yeah. Robot. And, and But now you have a lot of people, as there are more materials available and more instructions and places where you can learn how to make molds and cast items like on Tested.com, uh, there are a lot of people who are making their own toys. And this is a convention uh, at in Pasadena a very large convention space, not not as big as a Comic-Con, but definitely more than just your uh, Lego convention, one single ballroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, hundreds of booths, and basically the artists that you would follow on Instagram or that maybe you would meet in the artist alley in at, at a Comic-Con, this is their show. They are the stars, and there are hundreds of them. Each bring the toys that they've made and the sculptures they've made and putting them for sale or on display. Yeah, I... I, I... Having seen it now, I think uh, one year the uh, I will be there at the Octopod. Oh yeah! Did I, you I go? It will happen. I went with Frank, um, mm-hmm. and then we also hung out with Bobek. Uh, Going to name drop the Hawk, and uh, we had a lot of fun. We walked around. We actually met a bunch of artist friends that uh, we had either interviewed before or that Frank knew. Frank's you know, very connected in the the LA effects industry scene. So some of his friends from Face Off. Uh, met up with Tim Gore, who's a, a painter, um, a special effects painter, famous. He's worked on a ton of creature movies, and he sells uh, Tim Gore's Bloodlines paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use, we've we used those before on our week of builds. Um, and then we actually met a ton of people, both uh, attendees and also people who had booths who were either familiar with or fans of Tested. Some people, a surprising number of people, have booths and make toys because they saw videos on Tested. Oh, that's awesome. And maybe they they didn't, they only sculpted casually before, but now they have like their own line of, of figurines. That's great. Really, really cool. You're right. Next year, Sean, uh, you I should totally be there. Go. Yeah, I'll totally go. I think I want a booth there next year for Tested. That would be awesome. We should totally we do sh- that. I think we should totally do that. Yeah. Definitely sell some merch, get some sculpting demos. Some, yes. Some, We'll, 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 we'll take a 3D printer. Take yeah. Actually, did you see a lot of 3D printed yes. stuff? Yes, I would imagine for that type of that that type of thing. A wide range. Uh, I saw the form two there. Yeah. Some people there. I saw there was a form one. Some people were making stuff with the printers and immediately selling them. Oh, that's great. Right oh, after. Oh, wow. Nice. There were people, so they could sell like that's three tough. figures? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or a bunch of really tiny ones. Well, there, there were booths for um, educational places that showed and, and maker spaces that showed, oh, okay, we use three printers and then you can then mold them and cast them, clean it up. And yeah. it's a way to make toys and prototype toys. And then there are some people there who whose entire line of collectibles were all 3D printed. And they made their own little like mechs and action figures, and they just want them to be three D printed because they didn't want to do the the rotocasting and and, yeah, and stuff with the that's the that's interesting because that's something that I've I've been thinking about recently is that uh, you know I, I I you know sell some stuff on my Etsy store and it's all three D printed, and you know I I do get to comment a lot it's like oh you should really be casting these or whatever, and I think that uh, there there is a lot of time when that is definitely the way to go. But then there's other times when I'm like, I'm not so sure if it would, like, because sometimes you can just, you know, hit go on the printer and let it do its thing and then it's done um, versus sitting there and having to, to, to 
mold and cast and clean up everything. And like, there's pretty much no cleanup on the prints as, as well. So I think for certain things, printing is perfectly acceptable. What I feel like is that there's, there's one an aesthetic choice. You're mm -hmm. making a design choice. There's a look to 3D printed items and a look to a molded and casted True. piece of plastic using different materials. There's a different cost mm -hmm. for that. There's definitely a um, on-demand aspect to it. So if someone is molding and casting a series of figurines, like if to do one, it's easy. I think you have to make a set of four and then you make another block mold to, to then do another four at a time. Right. So you're building inventory at that point. With 3D printing, you can take the money if someone buys it from that store and then print on demand. You're not building inventory. Mm -hmm. And then also you have the ability, really the advantage of 3D printing of modifying and scaling. Yes. Choosing what colors and what plastics to use for that specific print. If someone wants something from a design that you made at a specific size, yes. you can then do that. And you can't so easily and, I, and I've scale. done I've done all of those things. I got uh, I, somebody wanted a pink TARDIS. Right. I, I did a pink TARDIS the other day. Yeah. yeah. So when you go to some of these places, do they sell like download codes instead of like selling physical things? Oh, uh, they do, haven't. I, I like. I'm wondering if that's the next step. It's like here's you know ten dollars. Here's your you know iTunes code for wherever it's going to be hosted. That is happening uh, on on some stuff. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think online definitely mm -hmm. not yeah. in. in at a at convention. Like the designer con, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely online people, s and there's, you know, there's talk of then file sharing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't have a code that you only load once and then disintegrates. That that depends on the software and the platform. Right. Um, and most of the printers that people buy, if you want the mass market, you're going to have to use, you know, code uh, files that are, that can move between software. For this con, what, what was the ratio of fans to actual makers? Uh, and people producing content. Was it a good fan experience? Yeah, totally. It didn't feel crowded. And there's a video we put up over the weekend uh, where Frank and I give a walking tour uh, of a, a walk and talk of Designer Con. We just chatted for about 15 minutes while walking through to give you a sense of the space and how crowded it is. Uh, it was nowhere near as crowded as one of those craft fairs, holiday craft fairs you see. Like the Renegade Craft Fair in San Francisco. Oh my God, I'm going to one of those this weekend and I'm dreading it. Etsy has one this yeah. weekend, I think. Uh, and they're very popular. Um, uh, if you live near a big town, you, mm -hmm. you often see uh, a, a, a franchise craft fair where they bring makers. And, and there's some cool stuff there. You know, definitely a great place to buy gifts. Love, we talked about this with Adam on Still Entitled before. You know, it's a great place to find one of a kind items to give to your friends. But I do find there's a lot of. A lot, of, a lot of soap. What's called <laughs> that? Like soap is like the thing that I don't need. Yeah. And I'm looking for maybe the art prints or the custom sculpts, but I'm finding a lot of, a lot of soap and jewelry that, that is great for some other people, but not for me. Mm -hmm. This convention was, just like the the four people that I love from those craft fairs, except multiplied by a hundred. That's awesome. So did you buy anything? I did. Um, it was a very much a shut up and take my money type of place, <laughs> but I resisted. Frank that's chose that's wisely not to bring a, a wallet. Um, <laughs> I did buy something that uh, it's going to get shipped up um, to me because they, they ran out of stock. I don't want to like spoil all the things I bought because... Sure, we got to reveal this. Um, I will say the, the awesome, awesome thing I bought and it uh, was a, a blanket that had the shining print on it. The carpet. <laughs> oh wow! I, I yeah. saw some pillows recently too. Yeah. yeah, I think that has that that print has a special place in your life. Yes. So 
It's actually the second one of those blankets I have. But yeah, there's, nice. there, there's stuff. If you see things on Instagram I posted, then it's like many of those things I also purchased because I could not resist. Uh, Designer Con, um, highly recommend it. And it's like the right time of year for this type of convention. Like basically the message is support independent artists. Check out their work, follow them. You don't even have to buy their stuff, but follow their work on, on Facebook and Instagram and something might resonate with you. It's also really interesting from a manufacturing and like a maker, because we talk about 3D printing, the, the wide range of production capabilities and production styles. Some people are doing you know, rapid prototyping. Some people are, a lot of people are doing hand, hand casted, hand painted. And then there's you know, uh, overseas casted and painted and different materials, you know, um, your ABS versus your, your vinyl. Um, and going to these conventions really gives you a sense of the difference between what, how something is made and why something might cost $50 as opposed to $15 because it was made by hand here as opposed to made overseas. And even the stuff made overseas, guess what? It, it's not like a machine made it. Someone actually made it over right. there too. You know, it may have been made in a factory, but you know, they are hand, handmade and most of the time hand-painted. But anyway, DesignerCon... Uh, and let us know if you, there are conventions that um, that you guys go to, uh, craft fairs and, and artists um, artist places that we can, can check out in the future because I, I love checking those things out. And you are on the the, the sound effects now. Bam. Yeah, we like the transition sound effects. We call those the the, the keys. Um, let's talk about. Thanksgiving and the holiday that the American holiday that is has been attached to it, Black Friday. Um, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? What? I so I am basically napping in preparation for Black Friday. So like my favorite part about about Thanksgiving, going back to my youth, is like my family would play a terrible game of football out in the yard. Uh, then we'd eat a lot of food and then i would take a nap so i'm planning on watching football playing football with my son taking a nap and then going shopping wow. i it is like i know how ridiculous that is because um i don't think it's popular right now necessarily to come out and be like i love black Friday. <laughs> i think most people are like you're a crazy person and i am but i like actually the theater of going out um, you actually you actually go out oh on yeah black friday I mean, oh, there yeah. are tears of Black Friday uh, resistance and backlash. And there's a, oh, okay, I shop online. That's how I'm going to embrace the consumerism mm -hmm. this holiday season, or I'll wait for Monday or whatever. Who, no one goes out. So, A, people do go out because you see, like, the video montage of all the people <laughs> out. And, like, there's definitely people that go out. Isn't it the same, Are, like, file footage from... 10 years ago? No, it's it's still, like, legit. And I try to, like, uh, Google released a a uh, schedule of when they <laughs> think Thor, uh, stores are yeah. most crowded. They release that now. Like, you can look when you search, like, restaurants and stuff. They show you, like, the, the crowd peaks and stuff. Big data. Appa yeah. Apparently, there was merit to actually going early and waiting in line. 
as far as like the the crowds well it depends on what what you want to get <laughs> yeah. but i'm leaving around uh 9:30 with a couple friends we're going we have like a whole like dossier we have a google map out <laughs> that we go to a lot of places it's it's totally ridiculous uh, but what I, are you buying and tell me about the places you're going to is it the big box stores small a, places well not necessarily small places it's a combination thereof so i pretty much do my clothes shopping once a year and i pretty much do it on this <laughs> night so like all those socks that have holes in them in my closet get replaced on this night. That's fair. Like the jeans that I that have holes in them get replaced on this night. Uh, I usually go out for some electronics. So this year, um, I put together a gaming PC, and I have a couple like peripherals that I'm going to be getting that night to um, fill that out, like a uh, a new uh, gaming uh, keyboard and mouse, and then uh, I'm getting a, a second monitor for my system. So these are all kind of minor purchases, and these are things that you need to go to the actual no, location to get. Not one. So bit. it's the it's, it's the theater, the theater and the it. ritual. Do you document it at least? Do I uh, sort of? I or mean, is it it, really, you like, gotta be in the moment. I gotta say, at like three thirty in the morning, it, got, it gets really hard to document it. But like, we even have a place Wait. mapped out that I'm gonna take a that we're gonna take a nap in a hyperlapse. Lot. It you got to hyperlapse breakfast yeah. Black Friday. Three thirty in the morning. What? So <laughs> we we leave at like nine. Uh, this year we're leaving at nine o'clock at night, and like I think uh, we're mapped out till about eight in the, the next morning, going to places. <laughs> It's super ridiculous. Wait, on Thursday, Thanksgiving so you're, you're night, where, where families typically get together. I'm still to, going to Thanksgiving dinner. But that, but you're talking mm-hmm. about 9 o'clock. So when you're, your early Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. and then roll right in. That's oh, the energy. No. That's the fuel for your, I, your shopping spree. Don't get me wrong. You guys should be judging me. This is totally <laughs> insane. And, my, and like every year, I basically have a, a conversation with my wife where it's like, please don't leave me because I'm a crazy person <laughs> right, right, around, right. right around when I do this. But Well, well it, sounds, it, it, it sounds like you have a whole group, though, and it's kind of like, you, a, it, it's like a, it's a, it's a bonding like adventure kind of thing. It um, is. And we usually try to come up with really weird places to go. Like, uh, we are talking about driving out to Stockton this year because we're like, I wonder what it's like out there. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is a, like, a, like the purge. Like you're, yeah. a, you know that movie, The Purge. <laughs> it is not like The Purge. It's not like it's The like Purge. It's like the Rick and Morty. We're like, is this like The Purge? We're like with the one night a year where everyone's allowed to kill each other. Yeah, let's go embrace the Purge. And you like, you totally are embracing the Purge. And uh, and I totally recognize like, it's the splurge. It's the splurge. Oh, there you nice, go. Nice. You should once see, a year. You should see the, the ridiculous nonsense on our list too. Like one of the key items I have to get. <laughs> Is a crock pot that's like twelve bucks. Wait, wait. So, so you are actually, for eight. You actually are going for doorbusters. No, I'm not going after any doorbusters. I mean, like, I mean, you can functionally look at the doorbusters, and they're specifically manufactured for this day, yeah. and they're like usually lesser quality. I usually just go on the wire cutter and figure out anything that I want for those like big box things, right? Um, it, you know, whether it's TV or whatnot. So I don't I do not do crazy things like that. But for like a, a monitor that's like, you know, I'm spending a hundred some bucks on it. It's and fine. I do not like doubt that, you know, there are things that you have on your list that you know you're going to want to buy at some point in the holiday shopping season, looking out for deals, being smart about how you make your purchases. If you're going to make them anyway, that is a good thing to do. And like sites like you mentioned, the wire cutter, who they have uh, teams of people who actually every day look at the deals and do the analysis. Uh, that's that's great. Like if I know I need an external hard drive, and this is the time to maybe spend the same amount of money and get more capacity or something, or get your like gaming peripherals. Yes, I'm never gonna go seek out and buy things that I don't want or need. 
just because the event calls for it. The splurge calls for it. I like this. I like the splurge. splurge Why is there not good. a funnier die skit about the, the the annual the splurge once a year? So wait, where are you guys going to be come? Uh, I, come I actually. So yeah, Sean, what do you do for Black Friday? I don't. I I worked retail for ten years through high school and college, and uh, f that. So you meet, you meet with the support group every year. Uh, yeah. Thanksgiving. I, yeah, I do, I do not do Black Friday, and then on on. So I I had an inside hatred of it, uh, just working in retail, and then um, uh, living in New York for twelve years, it, it's like I I can't take it. Like it shopping enough, like on the weekend in New York can be crazy, and and going out during the holidays, I just I just dreaded it. I hated it. So I I stay at home, and uh, I you know I I definitely take care uh, take advantage of Cyber Monday. I go to bed early. Yeah. I go to bed early, and it just I let the I let the purge the spurge happen. <laughs> I know that I don't want to think about the deals I'm missing out on because that's not healthy. Yes, there are a few retailers um, online that then because of the holiday, the quote unquote holiday, they'll they'll uh, they'll release some items that maybe I'll want like only this weekend, and then I'll check those online, and, and I have those in Google Calendar, like look online at this website at this time. Then maybe if I find something I like, that's fine. It's not like the only time, like especially with electronics, you you don't need to buy it this weekend because throughout the holiday season, throughout you know until January, there are going to be deals. Even mm, and true. I find like the best clothing to time buy clothes is actually right before Christmas. They have like all the stores have big forty they get one desperate. day. Yeah. They get desperate. It's like one forty percent off day or something. Please buy. And as long as you go then and it's I know it's crowded then, like then that that's like the best time I felt like to they, buy there's a lot of um sites that time when certain deals are for certain types of, of purchases that and I think for most like computers and peripherals, I think January is actually one of the better times to do it because any excess inventory left over from the holiday shopping season gets heavily discounted. Yes. Or you get returns. Of, That's right. Of stuff that was never really used. And you should always look at the product release cycle. If yeah. If you're going to buy this type of product, look at the historical trends. And there are plenty of websites that show the, the, the cyclic, how cyclical those product cycles are. Uh, you know for a laptop, you know, the Skylake is out now for the processors or mobiles. So maybe now's a good time to buy that new Asus you know, laptop with the Core M3 and look at the reviews. But Or maybe now it's time to buy the discounted last year's model. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get focused on, I need to buy it because it's the holidays. And I need to buy it for gift giving. The best gifts are actually the ones that aren't discounted things, but the, the more unique items that people don't expect or want, know they want. I yeah, yeah I, I, I do find, <laughs> I, I find with the Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing, I, I end up buying far more stuff for myself than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I think last year, the, the, yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, and here's actually another, maybe this year I'm just going to go full on not sleep tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday, so not sleep tonight. And so on Thursday night, I'm going to be super delirious and go on an Amazon spree or a web buying spree. So what's going to happen is the best surprise, like drunk buying, like like deprived, sleep deprived, mm-hmm. sleep deprived delivery. 
the, the next few days. Prime shipping, oh, I bought this over on Thursday? I didn't realize. You should just have me text you because I'm going to be in that position. I have this uh, really ridiculous thing. I ha- I got the code for the Echo to be discounted for like 100 bucks when it was like, mm-hmm. when it first came out. Yeah. And I never bought it. And now I'm on like a war path oh, that I have to get it for that price. Again. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it won't. And like tomorrow, somehow it'll magically be that price, but only for like... 500 units or some mm-hmm. other nonsense like yeah. that. Well, last year Amazon did the like probably the best deal I think, uh, which was ten dollars off any book or something. Like yeah. that. It was it was like okay. as long as you spent more than twenty or thirty bucks. I know at one point they had like a I think a thirty percent off. Oh, maybe that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, right, I yeah. got I got a second copy of the um, Star, Star Wars, Wars blueprints. Costumes. Oh, blueprints. blueprints. Nice. I oh, actually nice. need to get the costume this year. Yeah. yeah. So like stuff like that, you know where you know you're going to want to buy something and it's a huge percentage off. Mm-hmm. Sites like Gizmodo and Watercutter will have that listed. Just check for those top, you know, must-have, you know, you can't miss out on this missed opportunity things, but not like I'm not going to go through that entire list. And like, yeah. oh, I, really I, think my, I think my this? favorite thing to pick up is the, uh, like, Blu-ray box sets and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. is always, like, one of the biggest things I end up Coffee table books. Here. You guys are missing out. Just <laughs> wait till you see my hyperlapse. <laughs> yeah, well, we need to strap a, a GoPro with a stabilized gimbal on your chest <laughs> and make sure it records and then have someone to recharge the batteries or swap out the, the video or the memory card every couple hours. And we'll stitch all the video together and it'll be the hyperlapse. And the, and the, the camera, to be fair, it's not actually pointing outward to the world, it's just at your face. So look, you looking at the deals and being more getting more excited, and, and then, then wearing down, wearing, wearing down, <laughs> and still making the purchases, like holding things up, like I want this. Oh no, yes, okay, I want it. Yes, hyperlapse, the yeah. face of a shopper, the face of the splurge, the face of the splurge. <laughs> Embrace the splurge. Now I'm starting to feel guilty about this whole thing, no, as I, I should. I, no, it's okay. And you guys want to talk a little bit about tech? Yeah, why not? Hold on. Got to run those keys. Um, So some news. Let's let's go through a little bit of uh, what's been happening in both technology and science, since we do have our senior science correspondent here. Some space stuff this week. Uh, So we had NASA. NASA ordering its first crewed mission from a private company, SpaceX. uh, And this is to bring astronauts to the International Space Station. I'm really excited about this. I mean, first of all, it, it it makes a lot of sense just financially. Right now, we're sending people up on the Russian Soyuz uh, uh, rockets right now, and it costs, I think it's it, it, it costs around $40 million a launch. Or no, no, it's $70 million um, uh, a launch for that Soyuz, and only three astronauts can, can go aboard the Soyuz. So going to this private model, it opens up to potentially seven astronauts on each of those launch vehicles and there's some indication that um the price point will be um significantly less than that 70 million dollars a piece so this is the uh, nasa isn't just working with spacex they are also working with boeing uh but spacex has secured the actual first order and it will it's not going to happen this year obviously or next year it will be several years from now uh dragon capsule the man dragon capsule has not been proven yet, so there's still a series of tests. But this basically ensures the funding and the order place, so they need to deliver. They said late 2017, which seems aggressive to me. All of NASA's estimates always seem aggressive. Well, that's actually SpaceX 
estimate. And really? like, SpaceX has been much closer on their estimates than uh, than NASA typically is. But anytime you you use the word crewed mission, the 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 safety protocols, the amount of testing that goes into place is is so significantly higher. I can't imagine late 2017 being a reality. Uh, but just the um, I mean, there's a little bit of sort of nationalistic pride about us being able to send astronauts to space again as a country yep. uh, back here in the U.S. that I think is great. But um, I am, I'm also excited that additional capacity can't go understated how important that is because it it's the thing that sort of starts to set up some of the longer term missions. Uh, NASA is working on something called the SLS and the Orion which are uh, launch systems for a space vehicle to go to Mars. Yep. And in order to be able to build those, we need to be able to send more than three astronauts to space to actually start some of the, the, um, uh, the experiments and construction to, uh, to build those, those pieces in space. So uh, this is a huge step forward and I'm really excited uh, to see them do it. Yeah, Soyuz right now, you said, carries three and Dragon up to seven, although I think there's going to put more cargo and about four people in there. I didn't realize it was seventy million dollars per seat on Soyuz. That's crazy. I well, mean, space is also expensive. Yeah, I feel like that's actually not that much money um, in the grand in scheme, the grand of, scheme. Uh, of things. Uh, it, it, because so much of that, I mean, you're factoring in so many different costs there. But you know, just like with everything, everyone takes a cut, right? And so when you're farming out this to another country. They're going to take a larger cut than you farming out directly to one other person. Putin, Putin needs his cut. Putin needs his cut, right? Putin and his, his guys, they all need their space cuts. Yeah. Uh, have you guys seen the Dragon capsule and how high tech it looks? I've never seen it in person. I mean, just photos. I've seen, yeah, photos and, and renderings. It, look, it looks seriously. First of all, I, I, it looked really spacious for some reason. Like, it does, but I don't think that's in reality no, what no, it's going to no, feel like. No, 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 no. I mean, they're going to want to pack that as much as possible with security, <laughs> electronics and, and gear. Uh, but when they did that first unveil, which I want to say was this year, and they brought people in to look at the facility. I mean, there were those touchscreens that looked like they were taken out of the Tesla, uh, the, the, the Model S. Um, and the seats were like, you know, very ergonomically designed. It almost looked like a science fiction movie set, like the kind of the kind of uh, capsule you would build that Sci-Fi Channel or Chris Nolan would build for his his movie production. It definitely makes a Soyuz look like a Chevy Impala because, <laughs> like, the Soyuz is rough in terms of its look and ergonomic. Ergonomics is not a word that you would associate with the Soyuz capsule. Although, don't knock the Soyuz. I think Chris Hadfield made a big point of saying don't knock the Soyuz. It's Utility-wise, it's incredible, but it like it's not. it doesn't have many principles that you would say like, wow, a designer really put in a lot of thought in terms of utility, you know, in terms of function around a lot of these different pieces. Yeah. Russians are about getting Very stuff done. Russian. Getting stuff done. Um, in other space news, Jeff Bezos, uh, his company, he has a space company, a rocket company, Every, uh, billionaires and rockets. Yeah. I mean, they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, everyone wants everyone wants to be a rocket. That's and then, which is great, like that's really really nice. Um, <laughs> it's great. I'm not sure. It feels like I feel like I'm in a Bond movie a little bit. Well, <laughs> they definitely want the prestige. Uh, it's good that they're looking forward, you know. And obviously, they see financial opportunity for it's, it is like for looking sure. very very forward. Uh, but it's about spending the money to get the math done and to get the processes worked out for commercial crewed spaceflight. Uh, and that information, all you know, some of it will be proprietary, but a lot of that will get funneled back into 
um, into NASA and hopefully inform inform future decisions. And, and so Bezos with Blue Origin this week on Monday uh, launched the Shepard rocket named after Alan Shepard, and uh, it went up um, how like about a hundred kilometers, and then landed. Um, landed basically VTOL style, cool. vertical, vertical takeoff and, and landing. Um, this is in West Texas that he did it. So it didn't land, uh, attempt to land on a barge like Elon Musk's mm-hmm. um, SpaceX capsule did. Uh, it, did you watch the video? Yeah, it's amazing. It is really amazing. I mean, they really, they, you, I, they hyped I it and shot it up to look yeah. really, really so science, science fiction and epic. The Blue Origin video is ridiculous. Yeah. Like how they edited it together. They edited together with this like CGI bits of what it would be like to be up in almost a suborbital right. thing with CGI of people in the capsule. Which is clearly not the actual footage of what no, you see. No, it's clearly CGI. Yeah. And then, but then the, which makes no sense to me because the, the actual VTOL, as you say, is really beautiful mm-hmm. and really impressive because the controlled um, descent. I mean, they get the capsule down to like, uh, I think I read a report, it was about four meters a second before it landed, which is basically like us walking really fast. Right. Which is incredible to take a rocket and bring it right back down to the ground. Now, now what I think interesting is this isn't the first time something like this has happened, though Bezos made it sound like it was the e- first time it of happened. Of course. Egos. A lot of <laughs> egos at play. Uh, and the reason to have the set of VTOL uh, launch and landing is reusable rockets. That's a huge thing that both that any any commercial space flight companies saves so right now. much money. Yes, you don't lose the the rockets in the ocean. You can actually and and not many people have had success. I don't think SpaceX has had a success like this before. Uh, and, and, but they're to not be fair, to not to that altitude. They've tried higher altitudes. Yeah, space flight, uh, SpaceX is going for. M- they're going for what's called suborbital, yeah. which is uh, a much higher altitude. They've demonstrated this successfully. I think it was in 2013 with something called the Grasshopper, which only went a few hundred meters into the air yeah. and, and landed back down. And I love that the, the companies are, you know, while everyone is kind of encouraging spaceflight, it is, they're, so com- they're all competing with each other. And there's nice Twitter shade being thrown around. Uh, with between the CEOs. Elon Musk threw some shade at Bezos last totally. night on Twitter. It was, you know, I think Will always said that Elon Musk is the best late night Twitter in the in the world, and I agree with that because, like, past eleven p.m. local time, all of a sudden his Twitter feed will light up with like the most random stuff, and uh, yeah, he basically was like, "Congrats, Jeff," but you know that wasn't the first, <laughs> you know, Zing. launch of this kind. Um, so he did throw a little shade at him, but I do agree the the competition's really healthy. What I think is really interesting from a science standpoint isn't so much the first landing that uh, Bezos did. Uh, it's the reusability of that shuttle. Mm-hmm. So when they do another launch here, you know, who knows when they're not actually saying when, but hopefully, you know, next year using that same shuttle again and reproduce this test with a second use of that same shuttle. So ensuring that. You know, there was not any sort of catastrophic damage to it that it was all repairable. And then you can reuse. Then we got something. Yeah, I, I just watched the video. That is really, really cool. <laughs> it's it's very, very sci-fi. The 2013, <laughs> watching that, uh, the Grasshopper video in 2013, I think was even more awesome. Um, because, like, one, you're seeing this amazing feat of rocket engineering. And two, it was filmed with a quadcopter and stabilized camera. 
which at that time, 2013, was like, what? How are they getting this footage so close and so clear and so stable? Uh, and uh, there were still the budding commercial you know, companies that were competing with each other. So it was like, it really felt like near future science fiction at that point, which it still feels like now. And things like these these events happening make of the events of Seven Eves, for example, I don't know if you guys have, some of you guys out there have read it for sure, but feel more believable. Like, wow, we, you know, if the greatest minds and the richest, the deepest pockets uh, in the world right now put their efforts to it, you know, we could actually make something happen. It, all in all, I, I think this is a really important moment for um, for private uh, sector space exploration. But at the same time, know that Blue Origin's motives here aren't to do the same thing that SpaceX is doing. Mm -hmm. They're not going after government contracts. They're not looking to sort of partner with NASA in the same way. They're looking at, you know, almost space tourism as a big angle here. Uh, so while this reusable rocket big component... I really think SpaceX's work towards the barge is the more realistic thing if we want to see um, uh, this work really come to the forefront in terms of utilization for NASA in, in the future. And dramatic expansion of human spaceflight. Um, so, yeah, and Bezos also wants to do asteroid mining. Like, yeah. There's a lot of money in That's the a whole mining. nother thing. <laughs> whole nother thing. I just interviewed... Call Bruce Willis. I, I just interviewed an astronaut on my science podcast who uh, works on asteroid deflection. And, like, I asked him about asteroid mining and just gave me a big sigh. So, like, <laughs> it just sighed in, like, the most, like, oh, God, not this again. Uh, uh, we need so that's a whole other podcast. That's coming up next. Well, to fund SpaceX, and you get those government contracts, billions worth. But Elon Musk's other venture is, of course, Tesla. And the Tesla Model X pricing has finally been released. Uh, I know there were early word, there was early word about uh, how much the Model X, which is their crossover SUV with the, the Falcon wing doors slash gull wing doors. Um, and the high end was going to be at the signature edition in the $120,000 range. But... Uh, you can, I think, pre-order the cheapest one, which is $80,000 for the 70D model. It's a bargain. So you rode around in this model I at did. Tesla. Actually, I rode around not in the 70D, in the P90D. I rode around the signature edition, oh, the ludicrous okay. mode. Uh, <laughs> the difference between the models, if you care, and I know not, not many people out there are in the market maybe to buy the Tesla. Some, some of you I know have them already. Um it's a lot of it's going to depend on uh, maybe three factors: the range, which is battery capacity, um, how they convert that energy into acceleration, so how they tweak the, the torque, um, and then also uh, your kind of top speed, right? So the 70D actually still has a 220 mile estimated range compared to on the high end 250. You're only losing about 30 miles, which is not which, bad at all. Which is not, mu not much at all, not especially much. since the average commuter, at least in this country, is only going about like 70 to 80 miles yeah. a day. Yeah. This is, and with the increasing number of the charging stations and Tesla superchargers, you could do with 220 mile charge the trip from here to LA and have your in and out lunch, you know, in, a, in uh, Kolinga or whatever it is. Um, acceleration. That's what I think people are really paying for. Or, you know, that's not what people are paying. I'll tell you what they're paying for in just a second. Acceleration, it's 4.8 seconds for the super, uh, 3.2 for the ludicrous mode, which is what I got to ride in, uh, versus twice that speed in the normal oh, one. Six seconds from zero to 60. Six seconds from zero to 60 is really fast, guys. 
3.2 is ludicrous. It, it, that's why they call it ludicrous. That's though. like hitting a button on an on-ramp and you just being at, at top speed before you get to the end of it. <laughs> that, is the, that is literally the demo that every Tesla owner has shared with their family and friends is accelerating onto a freeway on the on-ramp going uphill and being at 60 to 65 miles per hour by the time they merge in to the lane. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and going from 0 to 60 at 3.2 seconds, there's a tested video for premium members out there where I did that test ride and shot it with the iPhone. Uh, the, I could feel the air hitting the back of my throat <laughs> as that happened, and we did it twice. Um, it is really ludicrous. I saw that I saw that video. You make the the weirdest sound too when it first kicks in. You're like, "Oh." But that that is the sound <laughs> of the air hitting my throat. Like I couldn't I, even the second time knowing it was going to happen, like I choked on the I choked on speed. <laughs> I was choking on speed. But I think what people are really going to be paying for when if they're paying $120,000 for a Tesla Model X over the the 80,000 plus whatever extras for the 70D um is getting it early. You mm. pay to get early access. It's almost like Kickstarter backing. You're giving them this money now, and uh, and you're really yeah, with no no interest. Uh, you're the, and then you're promising. You're being promised a place in line. So P90D comes out like Q1, Q2 of next yeah. year. Yeah. And the uh, 70D probably end of year next year. Is end that of right? year, and you know, depending on how fast those factories work, it might even be later than that. I mean, this this is not a car that has been on schedule. I mean, and they just did a recall. They did a recall of every single Model S. If you are a Tesla Model S owner, they want you to go to a dealership, and I know you've had the warning already, uh, because the seatbelt mechanism can fail. Like the <laughs> attachment. They, they had one person do that, a, a quick turn in the seat, and the seatbelt, uh, the latch popped off. That's Of all the things that could go wrong, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, Speaking of uh, some drones uh, earlier in filming and stuff, uh, we've also have some new uh, some updates with the FAA. So currently, the FAA has a task force out there, a, a, a committee of uh, people from both the private sector and drone companies, quadcopter companies, and also some people um, from uh, more established FAA organizations, um, deciding what the process of uh, registering drone registration and a regulation is going to be. And the task force has uh, put up a recommendation, they did this earlier, saying that all drones should be registered, uh, which has led to a lot of drone advocates like tweeting photos of their children's quadcopters, their toy quads. Like, is my, is my son going to have to register their, his, his little foam quadcopter? Is my daughter going to have to right. register her, her, you know, her Disney quadcopter? Um, no. They won't. The, what the task force has now put out this week is that they know that it's going it's to be difficult to enforce, and they know they need to make the for this to work. It needs to be as seamless and easy as possible. So it needs to be one, be free, and two, need to be a thing you can just sign up online for. Mm -hmm. And three, they also clarified that they're only going to require registration of these these unmanned aerial systems uh, weighing above 250 grams and uh, to 55 pounds, I believe. And anything above that is a different. So 250 grams is a half pound. Yeah. Which is still a pretty small copter. Yeah. No, it is. It's true. Yeah. There are plenty of... I mean, 
that, I mean, that those, Millennium Falcon. The, yeah, the, those Millennium Falcon weighs more than that that you can get at, at Target and stuff. I mean, so pretty much the only one that I know are going to be almost those nano size ones. I yeah, mean, like there's the $20 there's like ones. the maybe like the you know forty dollar ones that are going to be that size. But they're talking about a wide majority of anything that you would consider flying outside, and a few that you would still consider flying inside at two hundred fifty grams. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, this is not the law currently, so it is just a task force recommendation. So please, uh, you know, still stay tuned and yeah, be careful. The only thing I'm worried about with this is that, um, I mean, it's a recommendation, so we have no sort of, you know, notion whether they're going to actually accept this or not. But their their sort of recommendation on saying like it should definitely be easy to register this. I've never seen the FAA like come <laughs> do easy. <laughs> yeah, do easy well. So I'm actually really um, interested in about the registration process more more so than the size. Yeah, yeah. They need to make it cheap and free, or cheap no free and easy. That's what it is. Easy and free, not even cheap. Um, there's no way to segue into this. Oh, you got to hit a button. Hit oh, a button. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, drones may feel like the future, but you know something else that really feels like sci-fi in the future? Star Trek communication, communicator buttons. Oh, yeah. Badges. Did you guys have those? Did you guys make those growing up? I have uh, Star Trek. I did, n- I did not, but uh, Kate owns one. My wife Kate owns one right now. Really I nice have, I remember going into the Blockbuster that was close to my house. So that's how old, the, the long time ago this was, late 90s, and spending $17 on a Star Trek Voyager communications pin nice. where I could, it was magnetized and there was actually a uh, piece of electronic, a speaker with a battery so you can tap it and get sound effects. And Janeway would, would talk to you? No, it was just the, it was just it was the, just noise. the noise. The communicator. It was one of those pieces of technology from Star Trek. And why, I mean, not every piece of technology in uh, you know, a classic science fiction show should be turned into a real product or should it make sense. They were just creations of the, invi- in, in, uh, the writers. Um, but everyone like, wants to create a lightsaber. Everyone wants to create a tricorder. Everyone wants to create um, you know, hyperdrive, uh, warp drive. And Google also apparently experimented with a communicator badge that you would wear exactly where... And the, uh, the 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 officers wore in Star Trek. Uh, it was just a prototype, and there were photos of what it looked like. It didn't look like a Star Trek badge. You know what, though, I've been trying to get a better picture of this, but I swear to God, it has the Starfleet emblem on it. You think it does? I swear to God, it does. So this came out in Time Mag or Time dot com is where the initial report came out, and there's only two pictures that were released, and it's a small kind of black disc. Yeah, and. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you're talking there's about. There's something right up there, yeah. I don't know what that Hold is. Hold on, I apologize. That's, that's me. Okay. Now, would you actually prefer this to voice uh, recognition right now? Because I use Google now. I use OK Google. I'm, not, I'm saying it really quietly so my phone doesn't <laughs> actually do something. <laughs> um, but I like, as soon as you said Star Trek Communicator, I just start tapping my, like, <laughs> my left breast. I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Like if I'm in my car, just yeah. tapping it. I mean, I do it a little bit with my Android Wear watch um, uh, from time to time, just tapping it in, instead of using OK Google um, uh, to get that going. But it, it actually seems pr- pretty good. And it's really low profile compared to mm-hmm. 
uh, what the communicator badge on Star Trek would normally so be sized at. The gr- I think the the lesson to take away from loving a technology in science fiction and trying to adapt it for reality is to do it in a really smart way and to think about you know one it obviously creates motivation like Star Trek and just the mission the idea of Star Trek created a, a generation of astronauts and their mindset that's great that's something you definitely want to foster uh, if you take a look at the Star Trek computer and modes of interaction interaction with with uh, computers like Google has said they want to build the Star Trek computer uh, infinite repository of knowledge and data that can be ex- accessed anywhere that's admirable but it's not exactly you know it's they're not doing it for role-playing purposes they're not mimicking miming exactly how that technology was used in the show because that was written and implemented in the show for a narrative purpose just like the communicator had a narrative purpose and some a functional purpose so you take the what is what is that functional purpose you know and do you need the tapping on the communicator to activate it well, what it looks really looks like is that it's just a, a lav mic. It is just a microphone that is better positioned to capture your voice and have directional audio um, that you can tap into a service like Google Now, which is their Star Trek computer. And needing to tap it is just an aesthetic. It's just a, I mean, it is, it's an, an interaction decision. I like it. I like it, though. I, I, I feel that sometimes we, with the touch screens and everything, we've been going too far. I like the tactile-like and and okay google i think is a really awkward phrase too that to utter all the time. I, I i like that the, the tactile it's like uh i miss one of my favorite things like mp3 and audio wise is when uh i had mini disc players that had the little remote that you could clip on your your <laughs> strap and uh, there's something to be said for that there's something to be said for like having the tactile because like i hate having to drag that out and fiddle with it every time where i could just reach up on my strap and and do everything and and i like i like the tactile i like that yeah i mean i don't think a pure voice solution is the right way to go because it's so difficult and uh there are things like amazon echo which they have omnidirectional microphones but the way you use it isn't the same way you necessarily if you use it for a specific task and it's keyed to take for commands if you're talking about what google wants to do which is capture every possible command you know activating it makes a lot of sense you see it with apple tv and the siri implementation it is a hold down the microphone button to to capture your command let go of the microphone button to let siri know when you stop talking um, and so in terms of a tactile thing, you know, it could be on the watch. It could be holding a button down, um, and then that's when it records. If, you're, if you just have the one tactile activation, then it needs to be smart enough to know when you've stopped talking also. Like, and where pauses are different from an actual end of query uh, and where you don't need to say end query at the end of your sentence to let the computer know you've stopped. And so that's another AI challenge. Like all of these are kind of half steps for this, the computer that actually is smart enough to parse and understand the intention of your, of your search and, and what you're saying to it. The one cute thing is they called it Project Majel. Oh, <laughs> Majel, Bear, Ron Barry, yeah. uh, the voice of the Star Trek computer. Um, and, and also of uh, uh, Yeoman, uh, was she an ensign? She was, uh, she was, you're talking about Troy's mom. I'm talking about the original Star Trek. I know. Where they originally met. She was, mm-hmm. a, she was a character. I forget her character's name. I forget it, too. Fine. Luxana Troy. Let's, let's call it that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a TNG guy. Sorry. I, I too, am also a TNG guy. Um, 
Yeah. I, 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 regardless, the product is no longer in development. Right. Project Majel. So, uh, but it's interesting to see what they tried. And like I said, it's what we love about um, Google and what other companies are doing and, and the inspiration they take from science fiction is that they can use those touchstones as a way to experiment with uh, technologies and a motivating factor because engineers really want to make it happen. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to the, what, the, what the actual practical implementation of that is eventually. So, uh, again, I have no, no transition here, mm -hmm. so, and that didn't work because I muted myself because of instant messages, but there we go. The rocket's just blown up nonstop. Mm -hmm. It's just like, there's, sorry, Mark Watney. You have you have turkey on your mind. Yeah. You can't focus. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, uh, we all, of course, heard, and especially our audience, uh, heard about um, a, a certain clock that yeah. was quite controversial, we'll say. Um, cool clock, bro. Yeah. Ahmed Mohammed, uh, who uh, was, what grade was he in? Fifth grade? Fourth grade? I don't remember now. Um no, no, no. He's not in fifth grade. It was more than that. Middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle school like kid. Seventh grade. Um, wasn't arrested, detained by the school, and uh, for the clock he assembled and showed to his teacher, uh, now his family is suing. He's suing both the school district and the city of uh, Irving, Texas, I believe is mm -hmm. it. Um, he's suing, I think, the school district for $5 million and the, the city for $10 million. And uh, as part of that, he's demanding an apology. He meaning he, he slash his family slash lawyer. Lawyer. Yes. Um, let, let's be honest. I'm sure like this is not so much driven by him as much as it is by the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the response to this on the Internet, uh, predictable. Uh, a lot of people say he, that's going to cause him to lose some sympathy. It, I mean, it, it, I've lost a little sympathy for it uh, for the for the pure reasoning that um, suing a school district, uh, you know, an under resourced area of yeah. the, of this country is not a valuable use of that school district's time when they're trying to educate a lot of people. Yeah, um, I think he deserves an apology and he, I don't think he deserves an apology because he deserves an apology. I think he deserves an apology because the school district should stand for the educational outcomes of all of their students. And, you know, whatever this situation was behind the scenes, whatever they say happened, they should, like a kid got really disenfranchised by what happened. And a school district should be big enough to just say, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the real, like, mm -hmm. I'm a huge stand for that apology happening uh, just because I think it's the right thing to do. The suing the school district is the only thing that kind of is like, meh, I don't think that's... I'm it. shocked that the school has not apologized. And I know they haven't apologized because there's an, then an admission of fault, and then which then lends itself to more financial, potential, you know, remuneration and, and lawsuits. But I can't believe that, you know, they, they, are, they stand by their position. There's some grumbling behind the scenes that... The full story hasn't come out, and nor can it come out because there was, uh, uh, there is information exchange between him and like uh, police in the district that they can't release without his sort of um, okaying of it because he's a minor, hmm. and so the the school district has sort of quietly, not quietly grumbled that we're not getting the full story, and I think at the same time they're just trying to get beyond it. 
Wow. Well, it, it's it, it's a sad story, and I actually hope the lawsuit does not proceed in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's all be smarter about this, and smarter in the future. Yeah. Um. I didn't put this piece on. Oh, I put this piece on. Oh, okay. About, tell, oh, tell, tell me what's happening well, with Google Next. Uh, uh, so um, do you guys use Apple Pay at all? No. No? Yeah. No? Not yeah. yet? Where's Jeremy when you need him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just started using Android Pay because I'm uh, unapologetically an Android fan. Uh, I feel That's like good. Tested needed one of those back again since Norm converted back to the dark side. And um, I have both. You have both. I, I, ca- you I carry use, both. You do not carry both. Do you? I do carry both. Oh my goodness! Yes, uh, for for diff- uh, different reasons. One for VR, and two because uh, I, I don't have tethering on the Apple phone, and I need a tethering. Uh, and that's I, actually really fair. That uh, well, I just started using Android Pay for the first time, and and uh, <laughs> Google's really worried about adoption rates. One of the ways they're incentivizing it, they're donating one dollar per use of Android Pay right now up to a million dollars to Donors Choose, which is a site where teachers get to put projects online uh, that they want funded. So a million dollars going towards teachers through this holiday season. But I think this is really a play about getting people to actually use it. Yeah, and that's what bothers me. I I hate it when companies are like, oh, we'll we'll donate so much for everything you do. And that's, just give them the freaking money. I, I know it's it is it's a marketing. Plan. Tell me about your experience using Android Pay, the service though, both in terms of setup and where you found retail that accepts it. And I'm just so accustomed. Like by the time I get to the checkout, the wallet's already out and the credit card's already out. That there's no reason for me to then put the phone up to the the, the machine. Uh, so you're pretty much 100% right. Like I would say, setup is easy. Well, like setup was great and easy. I've only used it at Walgreens, which is the only place I've come across that really um, sort of uh, accepted it. And it was simple, but I get the look. Do you know what I mean by the yeah. look? Like, where you're like, oh, you're one of those. Yeah, you're one of those. Wow. Yeah, I'd like it's the opposite look from using a check. And um, <laughs> exactly, it's although it's like a cousin of that look. It's a bit yeah. similar. So, so I don't enjoy that look. So I'm wondering if we're going to get past that anytime soon. I, I guess if you if I w- had a stopwatch, it was technically faster because I have all chip cards now, like we should. Oh, and I, I love eh. the chip cards, but the chip cards also they're like, slow. They're slow. If there's anything that's gonna get me to use this type of digital payment, it's the chip cards. It's how slow the readers of the chip cards are. And I don't understand why they are. And um, it's it's like the also the readers. Then you swipe first. And then they oh you oh you have a chip card then let's put it in yeah like, yeah so you like, can oh. see the chip just so, use the chip so the one advantage I think Android Pay has and I didn't have this experience yet is that it can store multiple cards at once so like let's say you're like a loyalty shopper mm. it can scan both of those cards at once like your payment card and your loyalty card so I don't have to enter my phone number in at checkout and then scan my and then put in my payment Man, card. And it's going to really help your Black Friday. Yeah, your, your exactly. Purge agenda. Right. My splurge agenda. Your splurge, is, yeah. And my efficiency is going to go up like two and a half percent with yeah. this kind of model. So I think it's interesting to see if this uh, this you know gamut actually has any impact on utilization of the service. I suspect it, not, but at least I'm going to feel better about using Android Pay sure. over the next couple months. I like the I like the idea of uh, the Android Pay and and doing that. It's just it's. It's when it's not across the board adopted, then you go to the places like, do they take it? I don't know. And then, and then there's that whole awkward like, uh, 
you like once it's ubiquitous then then i'd be more yeah it's awesome i feel bad for how retail employees are treated already but this year it's <laughs> got to be the worst i i can't imagine if you work in retail let us know how many people come in and whether with Android Pay or maybe with their Apple Watch, make the payment just to try it and do the, oh, my God, I'm justifying my $300 purchase. Oh, this is so worth Please it. Please don't send that in if that's me. <laughs> like how, that I mean, you don't, don't take a picture of them, but, like, just give, me, give us your anecdote. It's like, are there people who actually go and, like, ooh, I just want to try out the new, the new gadget I bought and make the payment and kind of give themselves a little high five, like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm a futurist. Or, or, or particularly in, in the area that we live, like how many people come in are irritated that you don't take that? You know, it's like, what do you mean you don't take Android Pay? Da, 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 da. No, I, I think it's, that's got to be absurd. I, I do not expect anyone outside of, like, <laughs> directly outside of Mountain View near Google <laughs> headquarters to ever make that statement. Yeah. Uh, I, I do, I mean, to be fair, when Square became a thing it uh -huh. was a little novel that someone was taking your credit card on their phone and mm -hmm. it was like and that was on the the uh the for, in terms of the shopping experience it was definitely more convenient because you didn't have to have cash and you know it, it was as a shopper as a consumer it was cool like oh okay wow this person it said something about um the person i was buying from like maybe they were more in, an independent um, retailer and making their own thing and there was like a, definitely a, a feeling that was associated a goodwill feeling you associated with square now everyone uses square yeah and so maybe it will become a more ubiquitous thing it won't be such a, a novelty square offers like a legitimate savings for me in the sense that it recognizes your card and emails you a receipt that's yes. actually a legitimate yeah. uh save uh, time savings for me yep. especially depending on what that use is and then it can recognize the app and see you approaching for certain retailers, and then you can tap on your picture at that retailer. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Cool. There's a lot of data it also stores. I mean, it does. Retail, There's privacy concerns. There. Retail knows how well you tip, <laughs> and maybe they won't give maybe they won't give you offers as as you get close to you know alert you if you don't tip that well. You know, these are all. There's so much behind the scenes. Um, do you guys have Do you guys have the Square the the uh, the new Square reader? You guys I, have have a square account? I I do. I I used it at uh, Maker Fair for my booth, yeah. and uh, for uh, I think oh no, Etsy has their own one now. But yeah, it worked really well. I was shocked. This was a few years ago. I was shocked, like how many people just like hand you your their card yeah. uh, on because this is pretty. This is a few years ago, so it was earlier. But yeah, people just like yeah, take it, yeah. take take my info. Yeah. What you need my social security number? Take that too. It did work really, really well. I was. It, it's a very cool technology. Convenience. Yeah. There's. Don't never underestimate whether we're talking about human computer interaction and search queries or shopping, the value of convenience, of subtle convenience. I mean, that's there's so much money in mm -hmm. just, just mentally giving people the impression that they're saving s some time or energy or thought process. And that's how you get people to adopt your service. And then you can take that information and build a giant big data business out of it. Yeah. I know we have like a lightning round of stuff to go through, but we've really buried the lead here about the thing we're most excited to well, talk I'm, about. Well, I'm, I'm going to save that for after the VR mm -hmm. minute. It's mm -hmm. going to be the very end. Oh, yeah, we, we did. It was at the top. It's going to be moved to the bottom. <laughs> the next couple things, you we, guys we'll get on the list. We'll put so, through real fast. Yes. And sure. Welcome uh, to the lightning round. Here goes the, the, the news lightning round for which uh, there is no musical cue. So I'm just going to play. 
Inception music for for our new lightning round. Oh, so Sean and I are big fans of the next thing on the list. Yes. Which is Mystery Science Theater 3000's Return. Yes. So you're a backer of the. Of I am on the, so kick, the Kickstarter. Why yes. don't you explain it a little bit? And then we can... uh, so so Joel, the uh, the creator of Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, has returned the Kickstarter to try to get uh, 12 new episodes made. Uh, I believe they're funded through at least three episodes. They they were very close to I think six episodes last I checked, and there were, I think there's a week left or something like that. I think it's like, yeah two weeks left, um, and I think they're at oh, like is three it, or is four it that episodes. One? Yeah, so so they're they're. Uh, trying to do a reboot. Um, uh, Joel is not going to be the host. Uh, it sounds like he's behind the scenes, but they've gotten uh, 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 Jonah Ray from The Nerdist is going to be the new Joel or Mike. Uh, he'll be the new guy stranded. Uh, they have they have new people doing Crow and Tom Servo, which, you know, is... A little upsetting, but I, you know, but it's, they have real comedians doing it. So yeah, I think it, and it's uh, awesome. and I've and it, they have quite a few clips on the Kickstarter, and it's it's feeling pretty good. And I and I think that it helps also that they they went with a brand new uh, host as well. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm I look forward to seeing what happens. For people it. that don't know, Mystery Science Theater three thousand is is the original sort of like riff tracks of like people yeah um, playing movies typically bad movies and 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 sort of scoring them they just added felicia day as the mad scientist on the show which is an awesome fit i I was i was yeah that's exciting i i was actually kind of hoping that joel would be the mad scientist but you can't beat felicia day that is super exciting third person to announce so norm being younger than us has no no idea what we're talking about or why it's so culturally important i've seen riff tracks I, i like riff tracks but Tell me about the format because Rift Tracks it's about the people and the personalities. Tell me about what identifies the characters in Mystery Science Theater as being special, specifically funny outside of like you know your past love for it. What's funny about this show? I mean, you you haven't seen it, so no. we're going to make you watch it. Okay. I think that's the number one thing. Uh, but it's basically like you know a robot or two robots and a man in a theater you know watching this movie and you actually see their silhouette yep watching the movie have you actually seen it then? i've seen I've, I've seen that so I, the, that part is iconic concept. yeah and so it, i know and, that and there is so so the guys who there's been many people involved with the show and they've gone on uh, to do some did riff tracks and some did cinematic cinematic titanic and that's riffing on a movie but but what mr science theater brought to it is there was like a, a character and narrative because the whole idea with it was that a mad scientist uh uh, uh uh, launches the janitor for the Gizmonic Institute into space uh, and makes him watch uh, bad movies as an experiment. Ah. So he builds uh, he builds two robot friends to keep him company, and they are forced to uh, watch it. So every episode had little vignettes of of the mad scientist communicating with the guys on the station, and there's a, an invention exchange where the guys on the station would create a new invention every week uh often tied to the theme of the movie and so there was there was a a, it went deeper than just people making fun of the movie uh and that was part of the charm so yeah it's actually the kickstarter is actually not doing as well as i thought it would i thought it would blow it out of the water i thought it'd be like completely done by now i thought it would reading rainbow the hell out of it like just have like 20 million dollars or something i suspect that there is a little bit of like oh you're replacing you know, I think that there may be 
for for folks like ourselves uh some resistance to the fact that the a lot of the original people are not involved um and it's like oh i don't know about that but um yeah i don't think we're doing a good job on lightning round we might have to actually no, lightning round it it's, it's let's thunder around that a little slower <laughs> thunder. <laughs> Uh, uh, but it's so good. It's worth talking about. Oh, next thing is on your list, too. Yes, the uh, Lego Ghostbusters Firehouse. All right, this Woo-hoo! is important. Yeah. So it's important because it's an amazing kit. This is part of Lego Ideas, uh, which used to be called Kusu, mm-hmm. not Couscous. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I look at words like that as just like nonsense to me, so I just make up how I think it should be. So this is the program, and we feature products from the program before, where uh, fans of Lego, adult fans of Lego, kids, uh, submit their designs, uh, pitch their projects. And a lot of them in the past have been scientifically based. The first one, I believe, was either a satellite or the underwater uh, the submarine, the Japan submarine. Uh, and we had the Mars rover, which I believe is on set behind us. There's also been some licensed things, uh, which is uh, includes. Uh, you see right there, right there. See the Mars rover, oh. Curiosity rover, right there yeah. in front of Hello Kitty. Yeah. I yep. Um, so there's been uh, the uh, Ecto One. There's been uh, Doctor Who, Big Bang Theory. Um, yeah. But the licensed things are always trickier to do. Um, so the big one to be announced uh, to be released January first, 2016, is the Ghostbusters Firehouse home base. It's amazing. And it is several, like three or 4,000 pieces. It's going to be a massive set, and it will fit the Ecto-1. The Ecto-1, which is, uh, it, they, they just knocked it out of the park, yeah. It opens up. It's hinged, so it opens up. It has, I think, three or four levels. It's got the, uh, the containment unit. It has the science lab, complete with colander. <laughs> uh, it's got uh, it has an, uh, like the figures. It's got Janine. It's got um, it's got Lewis. It's got Slimer. Uh, it's it's really well. Oh, I really it's, wonder what Slimer looks like in it, Lego. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, well, they, they get, the minifigs are all crazy now. You look at the yeah. Simpsons minifigs, and they're not yeah. really minifigs. They're just they, they they the feet yes fit into the studs, but yeah. you know, they don't have the same. Um, but it looks excellent, and the fact that the Ecto One that they already released go, fits inside it's it looks great. So there is a little bit of confusion about this because the guy who designed the Ecto One, who I believe is a test listener, uh, didn't. I don't think he designed this firehouse, and I don't know if this is actually a Kusu set or if this is actually in a, just a licensed official set that Lego designed on its own. I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was a Lego idea set, but I, I know that yeah, there's some confusion. And there have been several Ghostbuster Firehouse kits proposed through Lego Ideas, mm-hmm. but ne- none of them got to the point in the approval process where Legos said this is the official one, and there was no blog post about it, at least not that I've seen. So, but regardless, it's going to be a real product, and can't wait to see it. Yes, yeah. I have a couple quick hitters before yes. we get into the VR minute. Have you guys gotten your flu shot? I no. have not. I don't, I, don't, I don't do the flu. Oh, I don't. You don't get a flu shot? I don't really get sick. Oh, okay. Well, that's still, uh, you believe in vaccinations. So. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. there yes. we go. Yes. yes. So uh, Uber launched something last year, and they expanded it this year, where you could get a mobile flu shot. They'd have a, you what? could order a flu shot. A nurse would come in the car. They'd give you a wellness pack for $10 and essentially give you the flu shot for free. Uh, so and $10 actually, for a flu shot, which you can get for free. 
yeah i mean essentially they because of like how our healthcare system works and it's all messed up like they actually had to offer the shot for free and you would pay for this like wellness pack of stuff sure um and uh i actually know a few people that that got it uh, i want to do that right now yeah it's so more convenient because i don't want to do, do that i don't think it's offered today it was offered last thursday oh i so wanted to order it but i got busy that day and i didn't have a chance to do it can never underestimate the power of convenience yeah and what's actually really interesting is there uh i think there's going to be some epidemiology done on like who is ordering these shots and how effective a campaign it was to necessarily get people's shots this way because when you think about if i have to go to my doctor's office to get that shot that's a real pain in the butt I'm really excited about what it means if that actually works. So you're actually looking on Uber right I'm now? I'm on Uber You're right trying now, to get a I'm flu shot? I mean, I would love before this podcast ends to have... Oh, try it. To, it I, it's not there. I can it's get, not I can there, get yeah. lunch with Uber, and I can get taxi. This is way better than getting a DeLorean, I will say. Oh, there's so many Ubers around this, this part of town, but there, none of them have... Have a nurse in have it Have a nurse you. in it with, with the flu shot. <laughs> With the wellness package. Well, I think they did a, a few different cities, so it'll be. I'm really interested to hear the results, and I hope they do it again because it seems like it's it's super worthwhile. There are too many Uber options now. But the most important news item of the day, no question. Do you guys know what the field equations of gravitation is? No, tell us more. <laughs> it is one of the mo- is one of the five most important scientific papers of all time, and it was published today, a hundred years ago. Wow. Um, and it was published by an up-and-coming scientist. His name was Albert Einstein. It, it was the fundamental paper that laid the groundwork for general rel- relativity. So okay. today, when we're recording this podcast, anniversary? is the 100th anniversary of general re- relativity being born. Wow. And general rel- relativity is, you hear about special relativity, which basically says like space and time are, are sort of related in a, in a pretty significant way. Uh, but general relativity really underpins our basis of understanding of gravity and it is unbelievable how important that is to uh, all of physics uh, and how much impact that has today on our basic electronics um, and, and to our understanding of the universe in general that's fantastic you're bringing some serious bona fides to this this podcast. is this is really one of those anniversaries that means a lot i mean it was published in a prussian proceedings of the national academy of sciences or something like that prussian that's how old this this study was it was actually not incredibly well received at the time mm-hmm. it took einstein 10 years to go from special relativity to general relativity which is basically moving away from gravity being a force and actually being uh, a sort of an object of nature a warping of space time is what um gravity actually is um i can't understate how important that um uh, that discovery was so pour one out for Einstein today. Oh, it would, did gravity just not exist before then? Gravity was considered a force, um, right. and it was considered that way since Newton's time through Einstein. Uh, but this idea of, if you think of like your bed um, as space, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> this, is, a, this uh, is going to be a weird analogy. And the Casper mattress? The yeah, dip. yeah. you think of a Casper <laughs> mattress as space, and you put stuff on it, like let's say a ball. Mm-hmm. We'll call that a star. I've seen I've seen Simpsons. I've seen this when Homer went into three yeah. Years. <laughs> this is exactly what it is. It's the warping of space that yeah. exists because of matter. That's really the basis of general relativity. Yeah. And before the YouTube commenters get get onto me, I did an oversimplification 
just for you know the the because Casper, of the because, mattress analogy. because of how much you think uh, how highly you th- how you think of our our audience. No, it's gonna <laughs> it's because oh, no. no, it's because like eight hours of math does not a good podcast make. <laughs> <laughs> you oversimplified it for the for present company. Yeah, I oversimplified it because I don't think I can do the math anymore. Um, well, a uh, hundred years is a long time, and that's also how long it'll take before any of us get to watch the John Malkovich, Robert Rodriguez movie, aptly titled 100 Years. Did you guys hear about this? No. no. So is this? it is purely a, I think it's primarily a marketing campaign. Uh, they did this with uh, Louis VIII Cognac, um, and, which is aged 100 years. But Robert Rodriguez, maybe in response to Boyhood, who knows, has started a film project and says it will not be completed or released for 100 years. And maybe there's a script for it. Are you ba- citing The Onion? What is no, this? No, this is a, it's, it's a variety. It's a real thing. And basically, they're, they're shooting on film. So there are a lot of technical considerations for how do you have a project last for 100 years. How do you have a director that lasts 100 years? Yeah, it's, it's a collaboration. You gotta, we got to change those, uh, uh, the Directors Guild, DGA, Rules need to change for for collaborations, you know, um, but they've they've filmed some of it. There's there's a trailer or a screen grab. There's a teaser, not a trailer, and a, and a featurette because you can't have a trailer for a movie that's not completed yet. Um, hundred years in the making. And the fact that they announced this like now makes it obviously a, a marketing thing. And the fact that it's hundred years because of the Louis VIII Cognac also purely marketing thing. But I think it's really funny that they're selling tickets to your descendants. <laughs> You can win tickets for your descendants to watch this movie because uh, none of us will be ever able to watch this. Do you go on movie. Fandango to buy these? I, I think is it's it going to go contest. as well as Force Awakens? <laughs> there are a thousand metal tickets that will allow the receiver's descendants to see. The are they screening. in candy bars? Like, you got to drink the cognac, and it's in the bottle. It's, it, it may, no, you don't. No, that's not actually it. You don't get I bought that. Uh, that's how gullible I am. Yeah, uh, I think it's. It's it's a silly idea, but the idea of I mean preserving things. I mean they're looking forward to how do you make something that lasts is very interesting in both physical forms and media. There's obviously the the long now foundations ten thousand year old clock idea, and in in reading books like Seven Eves, you kind of think like what are, what are the enduring things in culture? Human culture has only been in document history for several thousand years, you know, five thousand years or so. If we're talking about you know, between uh, cave painting and writing. Uh, so 10,000 years, you can't imagine what things will be like. And it, there was a great um, episode of 99% Invisible about how do you, how do scientists um, mark um, radioactive sites, contaminated sites for, for the future where language, where there is no imaginable language, right? You know, it's just skull and crossbones, but that's not exactly it. Um, so in, in just media format and writing something and creating a piece of content that is to be enjoyed in a format that it itself film itself is barely over 100 years old is is interesting i hope that it goes beyond just a marketing gimmick i hope it actually is something that is that they take a stab at and you know every the, the reason a lot of people do things is for permanence so interesting john malkovich good 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 yeah if you're talking about uh Malkovich, an act, Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Act, yeah, an Malkovich, actor Malkovich. To, to, the, to, to represent this era. 
Couldn't have picked a better one. <laughs> I'm not waiting around for it. No, I don't think so. It's it's a reason to survive. It's a reason to extend your life, to hit the singularity, so you can watch Robert Rodriguez. I think there's better hundred, reasons. Hundred years, hundred years. Uh, speaking of teasers and trailers, see how I put that story in to get to this moment. Let's stop bearing the lead and talk about probably the most important thing this week. But wait, we have to do an ad read first. No. Hey, how do you build a website that's going to last 100 years? What does the web look like for now, for then? I have no idea, but maybe the people at Squarespace have some idea, and they are the sponsor of this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. Uh, building a website can be tough, and even if you know your way around coding and creating something that looks good and works well, it's a time-consuming affair. So whether it's for a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you probably need a website anyway. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. And I hate breaking sweats. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. No coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website with, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology for powering your site to ensure security and stability for when you get that viral hit on there. And, when you, and you know you can trust Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust them too. So start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, please make sure to use the offered code TEST. That's like this podcast name, TEST. This is only a test to get 10% off your first purchase. That supports them and supports us, lets us do what we're doing and continue what we're doing. So thank you, Squarespace, and thank you guys out there for listening. And now let's continue what we're doing by talking about Civil War, the yes. teaser trailer. Dun, dun, dun. So that how, was, how did you, yeah. you watch it last night? How did you watch the trailer? Well, um, today uh, is Wednesday. So last night on Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, Chris Evans... The cast, some of the cast, surprise, announced, uh, re revealed the trailer. And I was watching the Warriors game, the basketball game, Warriors, 16-0, uh, best, best team in the NBA right now, uh, and had to pause the game, flip on the Apple TV, load the, the trailer up on my phone, the second screen, and pipe it back up to the first screen over AirPlay and watch the trailer three times in a row. Nice. Did you see it last night? Or you I did. I did. I, I didn't jump on it like as soon as it was released, but I did. Yeah, just, just on YouTube or whatever. I was actually watching Jimmy Kimmel just sort of by accident. I had the TV on in the background uh, as my kid was um, uh, fell asleep in my bed and I was kind of like trapped. <laughs> and uh, wow. First of all, that wasn't a teaser trailer. Yeah, that, was, that was like a full trailer. I, it's a, it's a full trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a two and a half minute. Um, and it's not the first time so any bit of Civil War has been seen by the mass public or even in, uh, at conventions. Uh, there, were some, there was some footage that had been previously shown, I think actually different footage than what we saw. And it was also the stinger on Ant-Man, no pun intended for Ant-Man Yellow Jacket. But uh, you had that scene where uh, at the end of Ant-Man where Chris Rogers and um, the Falcon are talking to Bucky, a recovered found Bucky um, and then of course you've taught you've seen the casting announcements so this movie has everyone in it mm -hmm. no Hulk no Thor I believe but you know a big piece of the movie is Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man 
And for people who read the comic book, they know Civil War is a huge story. Uh, Mark Miller, I believe, wrote it. Yeah, Mark Miller wrote it. Um, so we, can we talk about the trailer? Are we going to have some minor spoilers here? Well, I don't want to spoil the trailer for okay. people. Can we have uh, speculative spoilers we can where do I guess what's going to happen in this But movie? we can also talk about what happened in the comics. Let's oh, do yeah. that. See, let's talk about the comics Civil War. Because, Sean, you haven't read it. Yeah, this this is after uh, I, I I was a collector and a reader in the peak in the '90s era, and then I I just got so disgusted with comics <laughs> at that time. So, I so I kind of I kind of dropped off there. Yeah, this storyline is well yeah. after your time then because yes. it came out in like '06 '07. Yeah, yeah. I so only I read it like relatively recently, uh, and it it capitalizes on these great X Men storylines where. Uh, X-Men is famous for having these mutant registration Mm -hmm. storylines where we have to register every mutant. And I think Civil War sort of capitalizes on that with like, we need every super uh, person with abilities, let's just say. And for Marvel, it was a little bit of a turning point. Uh, This is in the Marvel 616 universe, not the Ultimates universe. So Marvel has always been, even though a little... um, "Quote unquote more realistic and grittier than DC, which is funny because the DC movies now are now overly gritty and realistic. Um, overly, to, we'll yeah. argue about that. But okay, well, well compared to the, the how fun the Marvel movies are tonally, um, when when we talk about when you read the comics in canon, people don't really die, you know, in supervillain attacks or in Hulk rampages. They talked about maybe a couple dozen people having." died over the, the all the Hulk's ram, Hulk rampage through Las Vegas and and through you know through New York and you know and it's not like mass destruction crisis right and in Civil War the thing that kicks off what happened in the comic books is actually um, a novice superhero team led by uh, Speedball and they uh, engage uh, a supervillain team um, close to a school and one of the villains. Uh, who his name I forget, but his power is like nuke. Nuke. He has atomic reactions. Um, he detonated, and the school and uh, basically was pulverized in, in the in Stanford, fictional Stanford, Connecticut. Um, and so that caused this huge thing, and it was kind of a like a like many of these stories, a little bit influenced by current events, and and so. It built up to uh, basically the heroes splitting between two sides. Some very firmly believing on the Tony Stark side that superheroes should register, and then some firmly believing on Captain America's side that uh, registration is a slippery slope. Um, And then you had people like Fantastic Four, uh, Reed Richards, um, siding with Tony, and the whole Marvel Illuminati uh, being split up. So you have these like the the huge superpowers and the brain trust, uh, the power trust in the Marvel universe, which consists of Doctor Strange, Professor X, uh, Tony Stark, uh, Mr. Fantastic, um, Black Bolt, and um, Black Panther. Mm -hmm. I believe that is all of them, Um, and Namor. Yeah, oh, Namor. Yeah, yeah, I always yeah. forget about can't, Namor. Yeah, can't forget Namor. I think you can. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should. Uh, so it was uh, one of the great things about Civil War, the, the comic line. I think it did it did a couple things in changing Marvel canon. But in terms of execution, uh, readers had to choose a side. Readers really felt the writing was so good in both the main storyline and the peripheral storylines that you it really – made you want to choose support both sides um, and you there was no clear good or evil 
Oh, I I had a really different experience reading it um, in the sense that I felt much more aligned with Captain America. I, but the you're right in terms of the, the writing tried to make you pick a side. Right. Um, I just felt like Captain America was always going to be more sympathetic um, for so many reasons. It, he had a more of a sort of a righteous uh, nature to, to to that. But it was interesting. It was a very all-in series, too. Like, every character got into this. Like, no one seemed immune. There, there are mutants involved. Spider-Man is involved. So a lot of the classics, um, classic characters became embroiled in this. Well, in, in terms of classic characters, it was even a huge, such a big thing. I mean, Steve McNiven, who did the art for it, incredibly talented, had one of the, the most memorable moments in the past 10 years in Marvel Comics history, which was Spider-Man unveiling his identity to the public. Uh, in a press release or in a, in a press statement because uh, he sided with Iron Man and one of the things was if you register with the Superhuman Registration Act you have to reveal your identity there are no mm. more such thing, no such thing. and Spider-Man is the, the quintessential hero and you have this great line about when he, he goes I'm Peter Parker and I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old and that was like for Marvel Comics readers like a sense of continuity and all that history and all the trauma that had that befell on Spider-Man he's a tragic character because of his need for a secret entity and how, how him being a hero has affected his family and his friends, it all came to a head. And so these huge, like these great side stories, um, we're not going to get that in the movie. No. And I was wrong. It's not Nuke. It's Nitro. 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 Yeah. Nuke I'm what, getting confused of because what, of what I Jones. find interesting is just based on the characters they've established in the movies is that I would I would picture the exact opposite stance between Iron Man and Captain America. Uh, I would I I would picture Tony being like f that you know so that's that's interesting and and you know Captain Mary's the all American goody goody so huh, it's well you also have if you look yes Tony Stark the Robert Downey Jr. interpretation of Tony Stark is a little more um, independent like a little more libertarian mm -hmm. um, and rebellious but you think about his sense of responsibility being a weapons maker I mean the, the going back to the very first. Of, of this Marvel act phase one movie where his guilt is what forces him to become Iron Man. Right. And his guilt, and I can totally see them using that again and yeah. saying, you know, yeah. all the lives that have been lost because of the recklessness of heroes. Uh, and they're using Sokovia from Avengers, Avengers two, I believe as the, uh, the, the catapult and some of the events you, of, you could see it in Ultron that they were setting up this, this sort of conflict between the two. Yeah. The, the scene where they're both chopping wood, uh, great scene. I mean, that, that is the seeding of civil war and you know, they, they the writers of Captain America, even the first Avenger and, and um, and the last one, uh, Winter Soldier, said, you know, they have been building up. They had Howard Stark be a big part of, uh, in, in that universe, being part of the founding of S.H.I.E.L.D. and being part of, you know, uh, Captain America's past and now um, uh, Agent Carter uh, because they want to have that familial tie mm -hmm. between Steve Rogers and, and uh, Tony Stark. Like, it's more than that they're friends. They are family. They have this direct connection. To yeah, the, yeah. I, I wonder how much they're going to tie into sort of uh, current stories. If they're going to cast Steve Rogers in sort of a Snowden-esque kind of uh, way about him, that he's he's fighting sort of the idea of the all-seeing eye uh, of government and, and well, corruption there. I, fair enough, fair enough. But, I mean, I wonder if they're going to have a little bit of that because I sort of suspect we're going to get a, a little Captain America on the run. 
well, like, in so the shadows. Here's the um, here in terms of adapting it and kind of you know giving comic fans the moments they love from the comic book. They use a lot of that up in Winter Soldier. Yeah, in one of the greatest moments in Civil War because you have actually Captain America. You don't know which side he's going to fall on uh, when the, when the comics was that issue, the series was running. He is approached by Maria Hill, uh, who in the movies is played by Colby Smulders. Uh, and she basically charges, wants to arrest him, and then he breaks out of shield, out of a hairy ca- hair carrier, hair helicarrier, helicarrier, um, and like jumps on an F-22 and like, you know, and, and does basically what he does when he escapes from the shield facility yeah. in Winter Soldier when he realizes it's run by uh, Hydra. So you have those moments already. Captain America on the run, going underground. Um, I think you, you can't, as a comics fan, treat Civil War as a, just like the Winter Soldier as a straight adaptation. It thematically can be there, and I know they're pulling in things like Spider-Man. Made a big deal out of getting Spider-Man there, who was not in the tr- not in the teaser, not in the trailer. No. Uh, they're bringing in Black Panther because that's going to be a big franchise and movie. Cool. I'm excited to have T'Challa on stage. Yep. And uh, it's going to be a big brawl. Yeah, which, like, the thing I'm concerned about, I'm really excited. The trailer was awesome. The thing I'm concerned about is Winter Soldier, Winter Soldier was, I think, my second favorite Marvel uh, movie of the bunch because it's... What's your first? Um, I would have to say just the nostalgia of Avengers, like, made it my first favorite. Okay. Just, like, all of, like, the, the Whedon-esque components yeah. coming yeah. together really well. But I loved Winter Soldier because of its homage to the spy movie genre. And I think um, that worked really well for Captain America. Um, and now they're going to have to do something totally, really different. And it's the same directors. Wise, totally I, I, different. That is going to be, it is the same directors. And yeah. these directors are also di- uh, directing, the Russo brothers directing Infinity War uh, one and part one and part two. Mm-hmm. So this That's really, what I'm most excited this about. This tease up, I know you're huge. I'm Thanos, a huge Thanos fan. Thanos fan. Uh, I, my theory is that Captain America is going to die at the end of this. You're going to give Bucky the shield, and you're going to have him holding and using the shield adequately. His death, I think, is what's going to unite all these. You're going to bring all these heroes in. You're going to have Ant-Man. You have Hawkeye. You have Vision. Uh, Vision, also not in the trailer. Uh, you have uh, you know Black Panther. Everyone comes in. And then... To fight Thanos, you need all those heroes on one side. So I think the thing that unites them at the end is maybe Steve Rogers' death. And then you have, I believe, Steve Rogers. Uh, my theory is he comes back at the end of Infinity War Part Two, and the Infinity Gauntlet brings him back. Mm. Oh, interesting. Because there was some like uh, jibber-jabber about Chris Evans' contract deal, uh, which I think also sets this this up. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how many movies he's still uh, he's still signed for, but... He definitely has, everyone has expressed a little bit of fatigue. Because uh, yeah. you talk about being in a movie every single year, basically playing the same character, kind of limits your other work options. It is in uh, Vision is in the uh, in this? I, I believe he he's he on sh- the teaser. Is he in the comic series, I take it? Oh. Or the, in the comic story? He's not an he's important not, character. Because I'd be, with what they've set up, uh, if he is in it, I'd be curious to see what side he falls on. That'd be interesting. Right. And they've developed Vision uh, potentially as he could be like the the soul of the team, like, you know, the, him learning learning humanity. He's the data mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. team. Um, and so he's the litmus test for right and wrong. Huh. I really want to see um, Ant-Man, Paul Rudd in this film. 
Yeah, uh, because I thought he had, his whole take in, in terms of Scott Lang was was really different than the the other uh, heroes that we've seen. In you're the- gonna you're gonna need super powered heroes with some kind of moral ambiguity, no. not just goody goodies. In the comic books, Captain America turns to criminals who find um, the asylum with him because they don't want to be registered. Uh, and so it really is, isn't just like, oh, because you were a good guy beforehand, you are, you can only play for the good guys. And then of course there was the, the element of the Punisher in the Civil War comic series. We don't have that here. The Punisher was such a great character. So Punisher hope, is a, a wonderful character. And I hope, I hope they actually that. reboot that in a, yeah. in, in an interesting way. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man, obviously everyone's gonna be excited to see that. A lot of theories about waiting for Super Bowl trailer to maybe see Spider-Man. Yeah. We haven't even seen Star Wars yet. Let's let's not get too ahead of ourselves in terms of the movie. You know, I want to go back. I, this this could totally derail us, but but you were talking about the uh destruction of the city and like how Civil War gets there, but they 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 did somewhat address that in Jessica Jones, which I thought was really cool. We're not ready to talk about <laughs> Jessica Jones. Not ready to talk about that yet. Sorry, Sean. Uh, you know, on the heels of this, uh, other exciting announcement in this in this world is uh, Fox took uh, a Fantastic Four sequel off its schedule, and yes. thank goodness they should just <laughs> let it alone. Just bring back Corman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Roger. Yeah. Anyway, it's about time for. Virtual reality this week. Oh, yeah. This is some smooth intro it's nice. for VR Minute. Yeah, we had to get a new intro, and I want to thank oh, I don't, I can't, I don't have, uh, a new user uh, for sending us this theme music for the VR Minute because we didn't have the old one. I'm going to find this information. Uh, but I don't know how in, how uh, in-depth you guys are, how much VR you guys have used. So None. None? Wow. Which is crazy. I thought I would have stumbled across it on all my trips in here, but yeah. I've uh, definitely used some. Okay. I haven't, um, not on the same level as, as our esteemed Norman Chan here. Uh, but I'll prompt you as you're looking through well, you, to get you started. Uh, Andrew Andrew Kearns is the guy who made the VR oh, intro. Awesome. So thank Andrew and uh, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful VR intro. Uh, since our recording of last week's podcast, the Gear VR, the first quote-unquote, consumer-ready VR device was released. The pre-orders have been going on for a while. They announced it at Oculus Connect 2. But on November 20th, you could go to a Best Buy or an Amazon, and if it wasn't out of stock, you could get the Gear VR headset for 99 bucks, 100 bucks. And this is a headset that you use with the uh, latest generation of Samsung phones, Note 5, Note 5 Edge, uh, GS6, GS6 Edge, and you could run uh, the latest version of Oculus's mobile VR software. It has been released to acclaimed reviews. People have, have saying VR is here, it works, uh, and this being a first step to rotational VR, uh, you can buy it and, and not feel like you're getting a crappy experience. Uh, to which I agree, there are a lot of great things that Oculus has done in the VR space in terms of adapting phone VR, rotational VR, so you have really, really, um, low latency, you have um, image persistence, you're not going to get motion sick on a lot of the experiences, and they've done a great, really great, really great job with developers and content makers making 
a, a nice broad amount of content um, to use if you buy it. It is still, I think, an accessory right now. Mm-hmm. So you think it's really 360 video versus actual VR experience? No? I think the Gear VR, I think there's plenty of room for rotational and mobile VR to be a huge thing in the future. I don't think, I don't, I don't want to say room scale versus rotational. You have to choose one or the other. But I think right now, because of the, how much content is available and because of the actual price point of Gear VR, Gear VR is only a recommendation if you all, a no-brainer purchase if you already own a Galaxy phone. Now, if you don't have a Galaxy phone, maybe you're already on Android and you want to make an, should this influence your purchase? Yes, I would go as far to say that if you're choosing your next phone, VR working really well with Samsung's phones make, is a huge plus in that field, something that LG can't have, that HTC doesn't have right now. And Sony, maybe not yet, doesn't have right now. If you're an iPhone, I don't think it's gonna convince you to switch over a platform. If you already have a phone that you're happy with, it's not worth it to buy a new phone, 600 bucks, 700 bucks, and also spend 100 bucks on this headset just for the current Gear VR experience. That in itself, if you're talking about how to spend your money, Go buy a game console. Go invest in a gaming PC. That's a better way to spend your money. For people who have been following Gear VR, maybe have tried the Innovator Editions and tried some of the dev kit stuff, mm-hmm. um, or, or even up the Oculus DK2, uh, it's not going to be a huge night and day. What was flipped on on November 20th wasn't that much different. Uh, there's Oculus Social. There's Netflix in, in VR now. Uh, there's... Um, uh, it's a little bit more 360 content, and there's the Oculus Arcade, but it all feels like they're, it's still kind of in this early, like as, as a launch right now, if you think talk about console launches, it's kind of, I'm still struggling to find content. It still feels like people are figuring out how to present UI to you, uh, interface to you, and present that content to you. It doesn't feel like something that I'm going to wear for two hours just going from content to content. I haven't had the uh, Gear VR on for more than like 10 minutes. And, yeah. and it's it's purely because of content, like you say. It's not because of... I didn't get nauseous necessarily. Um, but it, it's uh, the content that I've been in hasn't been immersive enough to keep me there for yeah. an extended period of time. And I, I can go through... You can spend a day and just go through all the you know, 360 video. You can play a lot of the games. Uh, a, week, a week into it, some of those games are novel. I'm not going to go back. Or some of them are actually already finished. But it's not like the software is going to come out fast enough where it's going to be a big console investment. You sh- I s- still say wait, wait. But, but do you think the, um, the how well received the Gear VR has been since its launch is going to spur more companies to do similar things in this, in this kind of space? Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's a problem. Unfortunately, it's a chicken and egg problem. Those companies were already working in that space. I think a lot of those companies are also invested in selling 40 or $50 experiences on the desktop mm-hmm. as opposed to five, three to $10 or free experiences on mobile. Uh, it's the same problem that the iPad Pro has in terms of the, the, the app stores on mobile. Uh, the mindset of where the consumer, what consumer wants to pay is going to be lower um, than what they're happy to pay on a console, on a, on a closed system on the living room side or the, the office side. Sony doing a competitor to Gear VR? Well, they did a blog post talking about the Xperia Z5, which does have a 4K display, and they said that 
it was hinted at that while they don't have a VR solution for it yet, um, it could be something. That, so it re- they strongly indicated that they would be working on something as well. They don't have John Carmack working on that low latency and the persistence of vision, so low persistence. So uh, I don't know if that experience is going to be the same. Uh, right now, really, to enjoy a lot of that content, because like you said, you, know, you can spend 10 minutes and get a sense of what rotational VR is. Uh, cardboard, I think, is still the best and cheapest way to just see see the content, see what you know, 360 video, having a bigger canvas can look like. It's not going to be as good as playing, you know, um, playing Keep Talking Nobody Explodes on, on Gear VR or playing the EVE, uh, the gunship game. Um, but those games, those experiences alone are not worth the $800. Um, and then uh, there's uh, some other stuff. There's a Ghost in the Shell 360-degree video that was a VR demo. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, just search Ghost in the Shell VR or 360. Um, it's not that great. The the camera movements take you way too 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 many camera. Oh, that's movements. disappointing. It's kind of even though you can re- play it at 5K resolution, it looks the compression video compression looks really blocky. Um, you can download that MP4 file and ingest it in a Gear VR player to see it in the, your headset, but it's it's not that great. No. Um, but there's also a difference. Like right now in in VR content creation, you have live recording. You have companies like Litro, Litro and Jaunt creating camera rigs and GoPro creating 360 camera rigs and using software to allow you to, to move a little bit in that space, give you a little bit of, a, of head tracking and, and parallax. Uh, but you also have people like the Ghost in the Shell people doing purely rendered experiences, um, some of which are interactive or some of which are just rendered and pre-scripted, you know, real-time rendering versus pre-rendered. And there's a company called Presence, P-R-E-N, Z or P R E S E N Z that has a pre-rendered VR experience that also allows for some parallax motion. I haven't tried the demo yet, but I watched the video, and it looks really cool. And from based on early reports from Upload VR and Road to VR, uh, you can actually move your head in around a one meter by one meter space. Not room scale, not walking around and interacting, but I think it's still watching a movie and being able to inter- comfortably move your head around. It's a little bit to enjoy the content and not have to stick purely rotational and stick in one axis and spin your head. I think it's going to be important. I, th- I think Testa needs to make one of these uh, for Adam's cave. Um, tested won't do it, but uh, there's nothing preventing anyone else from doing mm. it, which is, I think, all I can say about that right now. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I added uh, this last story in because we never hear much about Apple and VR. And I thought you were going to say we don't he- never hear much about Apple on this podcast. Oh, no, no, which no, I would no. say you're not a long time listener. No, at all. no, no, no. Well, Jeremy's not here, so we're hearing less about Apple this week. <laughs> uh, but uh, Apple uh, acquired a, new, a Swiss startup called FaceShift, and FaceShift um, went sort of viral last year because they had um, a a demo about taking a person and, and basically making a VR avatar of them using like the face features. So like, and uh, it was really interesting to consider that Apple would acquire this, what this means for where they're going directionally around the, uh, this space. Yeah, avatar creation, motion capture, performance capture is gonna be huge in VR. How do you translate the movements and intentions that you have in one space to a virtual environment without using video. Um, And 
it is strange. Like you think of, oh, is this for FaceTime? Is this like, are they going to use cameras to capture your face and then let you like, but that doesn't make sense. FaceTime is purely video. So what type of virtual environment does Apple want to play in? I mean, it makes no sense to acquire them unless there's some sort of gaming output. Right, or communications output. Oh, I guess so. Communications for for sure. Communications or entertainment or things you would use kind of the uh, capture for. Um, Yeah, I mean, the face is really tough to capture in terms of avatars. Like I, I was impressed with that demo last year because you could actually get some emotion coming through in the in the face of the avatar, which I hadn't seen much before in a lot of the in, in that technology. Before. How are the eyes? <laughs> the eyes seemed okay. Like Still I saw, like I I saw like the demo I, uh, demos I saw online. Like you know, people are getting turned into ogres, so like the eyes are always different shapes yeah, and stuff. Like a doll's eyes. Mm. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll wait to see what Apple does. Maybe it'll be in VR. It can get awfully crowded. It'll be a little, maybe a little too late. That doesn't sound like an Apple model. It's never too late no, for of Apple. Course. <laughs> of course not. Touchscreen on laptops? We'll get to it eventually. Cars? Yeah, it's a ripe opportunity. They'll look for the ripe opportunities. Let everyone do the legwork of getting people interested in a category and then come out with their interpretation hmm. for it. That was a good VR minute. I had this item listed on our show notes, but I, th- I think we're going to skip it over uh, for now just because of time. Um, but Kishore, in addition to being our new science correspondent, senior science correspondent, also produced our live show. Um, so You know, I said the senior thing as a joke on oh, one, no. one video. Now it's like sticking or something. It's, said, it's, 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 been like, a, it's a thing that I, when I was an intern at PC Gamer, I was the senior executive intern. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my title in the masthead. So I said it I, because of the Daily Show joke of yeah. like everyone like is senior correspondent exactly. or something. I'm embracing it. Okay, senior, <laughs> you get a senior fabrication, senior of one is what's important here. Mm-hmm. Um, He's calling us old, but Kishore did also produce our live show uh, as part of the Bay Area Science Festival, for which he is the director. And while we go won't go too in depth about what made the live show, we will save that for a future episode. Uh, we will tell you that those videos are online now. So if you go to our YouTube channel or if you're a premium member and you go to tested.com, you can watch the entire the entirety of the live show, all 150 minutes of it. Um, from the comfort of your home. Uh, the only like show note I'll add that's behind the scenes little uh, piece, uh, we had to do the the piece with Michael Schindler. We had to practice that a bunch of times before doing it on stage with Adam. So like those full-size tintypes uh, exist of Norm, Will, and myself that's uh, right. as practice, and you can see them slowly get better up until Why do you think Adam's... we did the live show? <laughs> so we, Which, so get... we could get large format tintypes of ourselves. My wife in rehearsal. Yeah, my wife loves it. Really? I, I that, love it. I love that tintype. It's, that it's segment was really well done. Like it was, it, and even the uh, I, I watched the video again. Just to, it was, it was really well done. All right, so let's move on to what we've been testing, and for that there is no musical cue. So, Andrew, or if anyone else there out there, I would love, I love an intro, a musical intro for what we've been testing. I'll give you some audio bites right now. Tested what we've been testing. What we've been testing. Hey, what have you guys been testing? Testing this week. 
If you need line reads, send me tweets or emails. I will do them for you. So I think create we should the audio intro. I think we should definitely eliminate line reads as part of the podcast <laughs> in the future. Uh, so, uh, what have you guys been testing? Uh, we have the form two in house. I've been. It's been super exciting. So we did. Uh, let me back up a little bit. The form one resin printer uh, we tested last year and. Uh, so unlike what we are normally using, the FDM or filament printers, uh, which is typically what you'd find in your home where it's uh, melting plastic and laying it down layer by layer, this is starting with liquid resin uh, and curing it via laser. Um, and you get really high resolution, very detailed prints. And we did a pretty thorough uh test run with the form one plus uh last year and it was kind of bumpy uh i liked what the company was doing uh, we did end up getting some good prints out of it but we also went through three test units and and we for various technical problems and that that is that's up on the site so people can check that out but um i had kind of a list of like i i really like what they're doing i like the company but there was a list of things that I had that I felt were issues. Uh, and so we got a sneak peek at it uh, a few weeks ago, and now we have one in-house. And I have to say, initial impressions, they, they addressed every single one of the problems I had with it, and then some, which I was really impressed with. Um, that, that doesn't happen that often. You have two prints in front of you right now. Yeah. One of your uh, your Guanus monsters, mm -hmm. and another of a squid attacking the Nautilus. Yeah. Once you remove the supports, and we'll be doing a full review and video with the Form Two later, I'll yeah. show you up close images of these. They are almost indistinguishable from molded and cast pieces. They are. I am extremely happy with this, and so far we have only there's two print resolutions. You can do point one. Uh, millimeter and you can do 0.05 yeah, 100 so, microns or 50 so microns. we so far we've only even done the 0.1 and they have turned out phenomenal actually those are actually 0.5 are, are they yeah okay, these are the good, highest ones good um uh the i have uh, a print of the the monster uh that's actually even a little bigger than this um at uh 0.5 uh from a professional printing place printing service and um these these rival i mean these are on par with that uh they do look really exceptional yeah and and the and i have to say the the professional print will and we'll post more of these i think you know what there's actually a picture of of the print in the gowanus monster article mm -hmm. uh, it's the last picture with the lego guy and um that i did not pay for this because it was it was part of a, a job that i did but it was i think there are 200 dollars a piece it would have cost it's you four inches long it's two hundred dollars a piece for sla printing at that resolution yeah and something that looks almost as good if not just as good mm -hmm. from the form two yeah costs time you know six and a half hours of printing and a it is a couple bucks in the resin really really good and uh, uh so far no failures or misprints or anything uh so yeah I was impressed looking at it over there that the bed size is really big. It's bigger they, than they, I expected. They really upped the size of the print bed, yeah. And it's they have a new peel mechanism um, uh, because with each layer that is built, it has to basically peel it off the bottom of the tank. Uh, they have a new peel mechanism, and they added a wiper that if you do get uh, 
and that basically uh, the the typical failure you get with this kind of printer is that you get a layer that sticks to the bottom of the tank and doesn't peel off. And what happens then is that that stuck layer blocks the laser from building any other layers. So they added a a wiper that will get rid of little bits like that. And so you might get a uh, a, a little defect in the print, but in the, but for the most part, the print should finish, and you might have like one minor defect. Yeah. Um, but I I mean, thus far, I, I think we had very few uh, misprints or problems like the that. The quality so. is high. We're looking for consistency, ease of use, price, obviously, mm -hmm. with using print cart or the uh, resin cartridges now, and also uh, how easy and durable these prints are over yeah. the long run because they are affected by UV light. And there is a little bit of a cleanup process with isopropyl alcohol, and it's a three. It's a thirty-five hundred dollar printer, which is in the high end, mm -hmm. but uh, it also is one of the quietest printers. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. Because there's there's no stepper motor. Well, there are stepper motors, but you don't hear it singing like the FDM printers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's pretty quiet. Um, and uh, we'll be we we'll be doing more of this, and we'll do some direct comparisons with the professional print that I have, and uh, we'll be having a thorough write up on that and we'll be testing they're going to be sending us uh a, they have a bunch of new resins compared to the last time we did this and they're going to be sending those as well and we're going to we're going to try some stuff like Flexible different colors resins. or well they not only have different colors but they have different properties so the one uh issue that in the in the typical resin they have clear gray black and white and it's uh it typically uh the the normal resin at the time it it has kind of like an acrylic like quality so that if you had like a, a substantial print, you know, like this, and you and you dropped it or, or something, it's going to shatter uh, in, for the most part. And and they typically tend to get uh, more brittle as they as they cure more. And um, they've since introduced a a tough resin, which I'm super interested in because I build a lot of mechanical stuff. So it's more like it's uh, a little impact resistant. Uh, it's it has a little give to it. Um, and they have a flex material now, which is cool, like kind of a rubbery. Uh, and they have a castable material so that you can do like uh, burnout castings of like jewelry and stuff. Yeah. So it's a, they, they've got some really, cool. really cool You can stuff. make a mold and then put metal in. Yes. That's very, very cool. Yeah, so we'll be, we'll be playing with this some more. It's, it's super exciting. I've been continuing testing on the iPad Pro 2, now using with the Logitech Create keyboard. Uh, week 2 now of no pencil availability. But people who have lucky enough to get their iPad pencils, Adam on tour, uh, have said that they they love it. Uh, it really seems like uh, the app, the um, the number of apps available for the iPad Pro two to use with drawing pro uh, drawing the pencil uh, is fairly limited. And the Apple Notes app is the best use right now. And they have not opened up the code so people can take. The, the just part of the Apple Notes app and incorporate it in their drawing programs, add functionality. So it's in, a little bit of an inconsistent experience is what I've heard. When do you but, think you're going to be able to get a pencil? It should be shipping next week. Oh, that's pretty soon. Yeah. I'm building a new gaming PC. It should Ooh. be done in the next couple of weeks. Nice. I did not take Tested's advice. <laughs> um, and I went out and got a, a Skylake processor and a GTX 9, 970 uh, because uh, is this product coming out Q1 of next year, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, so I, I built it, you know, primarily as a steam machine and uh, did some parting out and stuff. Uh, but I got some good deals because of Black Friday. Uh, and uh, it should be online in a couple of weeks. But I'm excited for uh, for it being my Oculus box next year. Nice. Or Steam VR. 
Well, yeah, we'll we'll see. V- either e- yes. either way, the better. Uh, yes, the platform you want to spend a couple hundred bucks on the headset for. Um, and then uh, I think we've all been watching Jessica Jones. Yeah, how far are you? Episode. I finished episode six yesterday. I think I just finished episode five last night. I think we're on seven or eight. Okay. Oh wow! It's a thirteen episode season. This is Marvel's second netflix show after the success of daredevil they actually bought five shows at once to co-produce with netflix and i believe abc television uh but it is daredevil jessica jones luke cage iron fist the immortal iron fist which is the one i'm looking forward to the most and really then, oh yeah of all of those uh, iron fist is i am a huge iron fist fan wow yeah. there's gonna be a Everybody lot of narcotics iron. in that one so i'm not and as martial excited. arts and uh, weird fancy stuff fair enough um and, and then also uh, culminating in their version of a superhero team, which is the Defenders, um, which is several years out from now. But what's interesting about Jessica Jones is that it's a story of uh, Alias, uh, Brian Michael Bendis' comic from back in the early thousands, very, very highly regarded part of the Marvel Max line, a little more definitely grittier line. A uh, private investigator who used to be a superhero named Jewel, and uh, she, the, the story is about her interactions with the superhero community and then as well as revealing uh, the, the past that she has and the trauma and, the, and her misadventures as a superhero. Uh, Jessica Jones becomes an incredibly important part of the Marvel Universe and canon in the Avengers with her relationship with Luke Cage um, and then, you know, and, and being really a, a strong figurehead in that, in that organization in the Avengers. Um, but the character here, it's played by Kristen Ritter, and while they do a great job, I think, of telling that original Alias storyline, the complete lack of interaction with the superhero community, I think, throws it a, a bit off for me. She's come uh, a long way I, from Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23 in AB, on ABC, which was her last role, I think. No, Breaking Bad. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Come on. Damn. And even, wait, even, wait, wait. even the B in 23, she's great in it. I mean, she, she, she does, she's a great actress. But she's definitely different. She's moody in this. It's yeah. very broody and moody, um, and it's a dark story. David Tennant, he's, he's, he's changing. He's cashing in all the goodwill from Doctor Who, Tenth he's Doctor, so to good play the, the villain. Yeah, uh, it's a really creepy villain. And the show, I think, Purple Man's a tough, tough, tough villain because it is villain to play. But it's not a character you would, that has a lot of depth. It's a sadistic character. And you can only go so far, even on Netflix television, to show what type of power that that person and what, what type of thing he can do. So they kind of make him more obsessed with her um, than, than about, and it's about their quote-unquote relationship. Um, I love Luke Cage in this show. He's great. I think he's he's fantastic. It's interesting that they they have him as a semi regular on the show, kind of like the the night nurse role, but uh, Rosario Dawson's role in Daredevil. But he will have his own show that they're already making, so they're kind of seeding that already. Um, he is a level of handsome in the show that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. He is a, a stunning character. He is on a, screen. But hey, yeah, I said something last night that I that I could not unseen. I had to share it. Um, his ears are really small. <laughs> Sorry, you can't unsee it now. Try okay. it. Go watch Jessica Jones. You won't be able to unsee it. Okay. I I, I don't like. I share your. I think it's natural for us to compare this to Daredevil. I think you mm-hmm. have to just because of of how it is. It's completely different outside of the Hell's Kitchen sort of landscape. Yeah. Uh, this is so much harder to watch for me 
than Daredevil because you're dealing with PTSD and trauma and mm-hmm. like emotional trauma and rape, in, in a, yeah, in, and, and rape, just abuse, yeah, in such a visceral way. Like in some ways, I hope this becomes the more important show uh, between the two uh, because Daredevil, I think, followed more formulaic is not quite the right word but it followed a more traditional path being sort of an action uh piece you know i'm still not quite halfway through so it's hard to say i'm sure i'm gonna like i'm probably gonna like daredevil more because it's had more iconic daredevil had more iconic visuals like it had the fight scene it had that you know Mm -hmm. the whistle scene um but i think this is important to watch maybe my issue with jessica jones so far is that like every show, there are multiple threads, and you have a main thread that is like the arc of the show, and then you have these intertwining things that go around it. Um, and Daredevil, I think, had a really strong, and every great show is really strong, B stories, C stories, and intertwining threads. Uh, Jessica Jones, it feels like, with the, the Carrie Ann Moss storyline and her best friend storyline, that stuff feels really weak compared, maybe in comparison to the main storyline. I don't I, know. I, I've I really really like it, and I like that I came in knowing I know nothing about Jessica Jones other mm-hmm. than I mean I was vaguely aware, um, and um, I think this is refreshing because it's less superhero-y than a lot of stuff, which I think is I personally like, and I think it'll draw a lot more viewers for that reason, and it has an amazing like powerhouse female cast and characters going on, which is I think really cool and. Oh, it passes uh, Bechtel test every episode. It's so oh, good. 100%. And um and so yeah, I, I've actually kind of found it refreshing to be like a little less superhero y and like I'm also coming from like I while I did read a lot of and collect a lot of comics and, and you know, I read like Spider Man, X Men Batman stuff but my favorite stuff by far was to read like a lot of the vertigo titles and stuff that were like comics you know so like Sandman um uh Preacher like a lot of those yeah, John and, Constantine yeah and which were they were they were they were they were different you know and and so I've I've been enjoying Jessica Jones reminds me more of like that kind of stuff which I, I really like they told but, fantastic but, stories in a, about but set in a fantastic world. Yeah, and and they still and I like that they are you know they they have made reference they made reference to the Avengers and you know stuff like that. So. I hate the, how they talk around it. Yeah, it seems so like they should just, just say it. If just they say, say it, it. and yeah. then you don't need to dwell on it. You don't need to. Every episode needs to be like, oh, let's call the Avengers, but just don't say. Like, it's Daredevil so did the same thing about like oh the green guy and his friends, and like just say the Hulk, just say Captain America. Yeah. The incident, just say, you know, they say like alien invasion, but just say like, you know, make it a little more believable. I, I know it wants to be its own thing, but it's almost distracting when there's so many like when they when they try to be clever and talk around it. I, I totally agree. I mean, they should just acknowledge it and move on because the, the storyline they built is like we're still in the aftermath of New mm-hmm. York after mm-hmm. the destruction of New York. And we're in this place of rebuilding and rebuilding in the in the in the context of there's now people with abilities and the, you know, the city is in ruins to a certain extent. And that has brought out all sorts of characters, let's just say. Yeah. And I will agree with that. I think there is a bit of a disconnect there where it, if you're gonna, if you want to make it its own little like corner and, and kind of ignore the other stuff, then do that. But it is, it, while I enjoyed them, 
referencing the Avengers and what happened with that, uh, it is a little distracting, I think, too. It, it kind of it makes a disconnect there. Well, one of the if you read Alias, one of the first story arcs, uh, you don't get to the the Purple Man, the Kilgrave stuff for a long time. That mm. is supposed to be a huge, and they, they obviously draw it out as as a theme of this show. But in the comics, uh, being a private eye, and you never know too much about like, her past as Jewel. One of the first story arcs is her on a on a reconnaissance, like on a, on an assignment, uh, on a job, and unexpectedly discovering Captain America's personal life, like Steve Rogers, and you know. And you see some of that, the Steve Rogers personal life in Winter Soldier, and it, it's in New York. I guess it's in D.C. for him. Um, but like that kind of interaction, the peripheral interaction, where she doesn't need to be engaged in fighting the Ultron stuff, but just like if she, it's about her personal life as an ex-superhero and somebody who lives in a world with superheroes, then you can you know, bring in some of those other aspects right. of the superheroes. Um, ha- having not been familiar with the story her uh trish her friend trish i'm assuming trish is like she becomes a hero i don't even know if she's in the comic she she is um there's things that we we shouldn't talk about yeah yeah yeah, pretty much everyone that you see like if you google their name something will come up like you know so like don't don't because it like uh, some of them that make no sense to me how like that person with a character makes okay. sense all right that's part of the reason i have i have been avoiding because like i, I kind of want to be surprised but yeah spoilers <laughs> without being spoilers hey, all i said is don't google people's names as they come up on screen and jessica yeah. jokes it's a bad idea <laughs> because it doesn't make sense um awesome. i the the one thing i'll say is i'm definitely intrigued i'll finish i'm having the toughest time i have a lot of empathy for um jessica's character but i'm having a harder time rooting for her as much as i did rooting for daredevil like her cause isn't as compelling uh to me she like it's it's more cringy Mm -hmm. Um, i can see that which doesn't mean it's not bad it's still good television it's just a harder show to watch for me personally um which i think is just a sign of how uh, how well designed this show is Wow. Okay, I really shouldn't have Googled that. Yeah, uh, that's what I told you. Wow. Okay. I told you. Never mind. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it for this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank Kishore, thank you, Sean, for being here on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. Um, to record this episode with me. Happy Black Friday, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving and happy resisting. Happy splurge. Happy Splurge. Mm-hmm. Happy Splurge. Splurge. Splurge 2015. I'm Norm. That's Kishore. That's Sean. We can find us every week uh, on test.com. Uh, Kishore also uh, co-hosts Inquiring Minds. Uh, yeah, it's a weekly science podcast that you can find um, uh, on the internet. Uh, we interview a scientist every week. You can chase me down at Science Quiche for my hyperlapse of the shenanigans I'll be up to on Black Friday. Excellent. The purge, Splurge hyperlapse. Yes, and uh, I'm Sean. Hi. I have stuff on Etsy. <laughs> Sean has Check out Sean's Etsy store. Check out his columns on Tested and videos we've uh, actually shot already with him. Uh, will be coming out in the next month or so. Uh, but until then, we'll see you guys next time uh, on the Internet. See you. Oh, see who's ya? the outro come out from? Uh, and the outro this week is from someone whose name I didn't write down, but here's an outro anyway. <laughs> and, of course, oh, just took a while to get in. Hi there, I didn't see you.
I don't want anything to do with that stuff. I'm farty enough naturally. Thanksgiving appropriate, I think. Just a little <laughs> bit. Rockets are hard, guys. So yeah. is podcasting. <laughs>